Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fast on Raw Dog Serious XM Comedy Hits Channel 99 Buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, coming up in just a few minutes, uh, Jeremy Piven is going to be here. You love him from Entourage. And the second season of his new series, Mr. Selfridge. That's amazing. I, this, is a, this is the third time on the show. I love Jeremy Piven. Is that third time? Yeah. Melt With You. He came in for the first time. The film with Rob Lowe. And Mr. Selfridge, uh, that aired Sundays on PBS Masterpiece Classic at 9 p.m. I like to air on Masterpiece uh, Classic. I really would. All right. So before he gets here, I got to tell you about this email I got from a guy named Trevor... And he says, say adios to Butterface. Caitlin Rice is the new Instagram booty queen. So we thought Whoa. we'd start the show off with uh, best butt on the internet because Jen Selter is the reigning queen. She is the master. There is no one with more of a following with that giant of ass of hers. Giant toned ass. It is giant. She works at it. She keeps the very tight waist. All right, now let's look at the pictures. First one, here's Caitlin. And that is a very uh, nice butt. There's no doubt about it. She's given herself a selfie on each side. Yeah. Very nice butt. Now go down one. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know what we're talking about here. That's amazing. Size and definition. I am excited just to live on the same planet as that ass. <laughs> I mean, she dominates Instagram. This Caitlyn girl, yeah, all right, she has a nice ass. There's nothing wrong with her ass. Right. But for people saying there's a new booty... Well, queen- one guy, Trevor. <laughs> uh, where are you at on this, um, kid? What's happening with your thoughts? I'm with Trevor. This girl is uh, way better than Jen Selter. You're a fucking contrarian. First, you attack Seinfeld the other day, uh, I believe leading to the death of John Panette, and we'll be talking about that later on in the show. Unrelated. Um, but he's only been brought up because he did one short stint on Seinfeld. Yeah. And I've heard that from a lot of comics. They did one short thing on Seinfeld, and they said they're more known for that than the rest of their career. That's wild shit, man. Well, Don Herrera, I think, uh, brought that up, too. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to go through one at a time. Yes, Don, Don Herrera is one of the, the people. Do you want to keep on going over and over? <laughs> you want to get to Larry Miller? Where are we going next with this? Um... What do we? Oh, okay. So it's in the wire. 
Is there a new Instagram booty queen? Seriously, you don't like the Jen uh, Seltzer butt? Sure, she has a nice ass, but it's like a freak show ass. I mean, I live in freak show. I live uh, on planet Earth in uh, realisticville. I don't think you do. It's like a minute bull ass. I mean, sure, it's really no. tall, but it's not. Minute bull doesn't have a big ass at all. I don't know. <laughs> If you're saying, yes, he is a freak, well, in terms of asses, I mean, sure, she's going to get some blocks for you, but... Uh, I'm going to say this right off the bat. Already, uh, Jen Selter up to a commanding lead, but let me go down and read some of the things that people are saying. Um, new girl has a meth face. That's not right. Um, I thought that was a positive. She says, Caitlin has a great ass, but welcome to the big leagues. It ain't no Jen Selter ass. Let me tell you something. And if you've got a great ass out there, well, this is Major League Pitching. You've got to come to the game and beat that <laughs> Selter ass because, A, she was born with a great ass, but then, B, she now just thinks about it and is constantly working. It's, it. a, it's the center of her universe is her ass. That's the whole thing. And I actually think... That Caitlyn's ass is a little mu- a muscular. If you, I, all right, so I, I did a little digging with this Caitlyn Rice individual. I went through the rest of her Instagram, and yeah, the ass is nice, but she's also like a bodybuilder, borderline. And she has pictures of her boyfriend on her Instagram, which is stupid. <laughs> you really got... And she shops at Walmart. She doesn't even support the local stores. Well, give me a break. They should unionize. Um, <laughs> all right, Anthony says... And this is a direct quote. Before the hate comes in, I'm not the one saying this. Jen Selter's ass, booty, is too big. She looks like a baboon. There I said it. The guy knows what he's talking about. He's speaking That's the truth. fucking borderline. I don't know what the racism of ass would be, but it's that. It's I, I'd say it's ju- way over the border. It's racist. That was a racist comment. Jen Selter... Belongs in a carnival next to an albino and a bearded lady. Can I tell you something? You making fun of somebody who's freakish looking, thick lips. <laughs> I could fucking take you out this summer and make fat fucking cash for a buck a piece. The kids get to come in and throw a softball at you. <laughs> it's bounce right off. I'm just going to call it hit the lips. <laughs> And every while he's sitting on a chair, I'm just gonna put bees sounds in the background. <laughs> There's already a porno called that. Um, Larry, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Peps, you should uh, check out this chick. Definitely, I say has just as better ass than uh, this girl Jen, Nikki Heaton. It's N-I-Y. Right, we're in this contest. Just two girls. Now. You know what you remind me of? You remind me of a guy when we're watching the fucking Cowboys play the Bears, you're bringing up the Patriots. Let's focus on the game at hand. Scumbag one-upper is what this guy's trying to pull off. But what we care about right now is Miss Jen Selter and I, Caitlin Rice. Jerk store Sean written, of course, his name comes from Seinfeld. Shelbo. Um, and he says, if we're talking asses, there's no contest. Selter. Yes, we're not talking everything. It's that ass is... I mean, that ass, I would go see a movie with that ass in it. It's not a freak show, like Shelby points out. It's just... It's a it's a fucking spectacle, is what it is. A beautiful spectacle. It's bigger than life. And these pics can be found on the iBang, along with the poll, on the enterobang.com. Thank you, Shelby. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866 
Ron Zero Fez. Uh, Florida Pro says, Jen's ass just looks like it would would fit better in my cupped hands. Well, you get to do that on Palm Sunday. Um, hey, Charlie. Charlie, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's up, guys? Ronnie B, it looks like if I were to do that from behind, it would break my pelvic bone. She's too muscular, man. Which one? It's, uh, well, you know what I'm lying. It'd the new girl? Caitlin. Okay. That's Caitlin Rice. Yeah. All right, Tommy in Indiana, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie, how's it going, buddy? Good. Hail to the motherfucking queen, son. Seltzer all day, whack bag, out. <laughs> I like the fact that, you know, he's laying some royalty down on it. See, this Caitlyn Rice just seems less than. She's in, she is doing the same exact gimmick as Seltzer. It's just she has, you know, a fitness gimmick. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, she'll, you know, she'll, she'll help. If you go with her, she'll get make your ass nice. Much as what Jen Seltzer's been doing. All right, I'm going to tell you right now, it's 83% to fucking 16%. Seltzer's running away with this one. I don't know who the 16% is. And already, I'll let you know that we're having some server juice problems. <laughs> so what we need to do is everyone line up one at a time and go in to see this. P- please. Get your Q- wristbands ready. <laughs> Cue we're up. Checking them. <laughs> yeah. Cue up. That, that ties in with the Mr. Selfridge that we're going to be talking in a moment. Um, as I said, we'd be also talking about a little later on the uh, show to John Panetta, who's a real uh, long-time headlining comic, passed away over the weekend. Uh, another another sad one. It's a tough life out there on the road. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Uh, Lou, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B, million bucks. Yeah. Uh, I got to side with uh, Chris on this one. Jen's out there 100%. And Chris, I owe you an apology. After they destroyed that chupacabra, last week I called in. I sent you a picture of my uh, the dog. I said that it was definitely a dog. I understand why in the world they would destroy that so they couldn't even do testing on it. So I owe you an apology, sir. Thank you. All right. Go to hell. Oh, come on. No, people call in to talk shit about me. John Steele, you're on the run. Uh, well, I'll just read his thing. He said there's literally hundreds of girls that only post perfect ass pics on Instagram. Picking out one is just silly. I disagree. I think, you know, in the same way, there's a bunch of people who throw the javelin in the world. And yet you want to find out who's best to throw in the javelin. That guy just made the point. Jen Selter's ass has risen to the top of an infinite world of fucking ass pictures. I mean, seriously, just think how many asses are on the on the, on the planet Earth. To turn around and say this is the best? That's something she should be proud of. And she's in, you know, she's in the zone. She's thinking about it constantly. It's I mean, that's her fucking life goal right now is keep this ass in check and get it out there. As much as possible. She didn't even go um, to her grandmother's funeral because she had glute work to do. <laughs> That's focus. That's dedication. That's passion. Again, Shelby, you and your cynicism are being crushed on the eye bank. No cynicism. Just reality. And Jen Salter has been... Her time in the sun is over. She's been uncrowned. I gotta tell you, just by looking at your eyes, is the pollen getting to you? <laughs> Or do you have a drug problem? 
There's something wrong with you. <laughs> My <laughs> eyes get red easily. Yeah, did you catch a load in the Why? face? Were you, that crying? <laughs> were you crying when I said I was going to take you on the road? Fucking put you in the sideshow? I don't want to go. I'm not going to. This is a little something I said. Oh, is this a joke? Okay. Yeah, you're going to stay here. Everything's going to go fine. Nothing's going to chop Jen Seltzer. And this girl is just, just looking for some cheap heat. I mean, she just wants to be like, oh, hey, I ass is nicer than everyone else's. Look I, look, I give her all the credit in the world for what she's doing. I'm not a hater, Chris, like you. I'm becoming a hater as this thing's going on. I'm getting pissed now that she's fucking, she's throwing her ass up against You're Seltzer's. You're mad that she puts up pictures with her boyfriend. She can have an outside life. So see, she fucked up. She's trying to push this whole ass thing. So you tell me that Seltzer doesn't even have a boyfriend. She's never said she has a boyfriend, but I can't imagine she doesn't. But I'm sure she keeps that on the low to make dudes who yell at her in the street think they got a chance. I don't see any other dudes on her Instagram. I heard things where people were just like chanting about her ass on the subway. And this is before it even got famous. All right, give me the Instagram numbers right off the bat. How many does Jen Seltzer have? What are we looking at for the Selt? Last I heard it was 2 million. Right. Let's see the number of followers. Almost 3 million now. All right, yeah. Almost 3 million. 2.9 million and the other girl, 231,000. Why are we even having this conversation? This is chump it's a, change. It's a meteoric rise right now. By the way, that picture up on the iBang... Is the greatest uh, picture that Seltzer has put out yet. I mean, it's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Whatever she paid for her, I was going to say panties, but I just didn't remind me I, how much I hate the way Chris says panties. <laughs> Those are some nice panties. Seriously, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I just wish I had a brick in my hand when you say stuff like that. <laughs> no, you don't want to throw a fucking brick at me. Yeah, I do. Please don't. She should be selling those panties. I mean, she probably make good money. Seriously, I'll what? choke you. You're fucking ruining it. All right, put up the, the seltzer pick, Shelby. I know you're obsessed with this Caitlin Rice individual, but fucking... I'd rather look at Tony Rice's ass right now. <laughs> the old Notre Dame quarterback. <laughs> I'll fucking get Barker to Look at that. Yeah, it's... That is a phenomenal picture. It's unreal in like the most positive way you can say unreal. Not like Shelby's freak show. I, I actually got the documentary on this picture, and they, the photographer said that he actually came taking the picture. She's too focused on landscape here. I don't like it. She's got a beautiful view. You're missing the point, Shelby. <laughs> Look at the foreground. Are you trying to sell me an apartment? No, but she's lonely. You, you have an ass like that. You can't take it out every day. So no. you just have to walk around in your panties. <laughs> she has her panties all picked out for herself, <laughs> and she's going to put them on. All right? And she's going to show those... Why doesn't she fucking sell them on Instagram? She can make a shitload of money. You know how much money dudes will pay for used and new panties of fucking Jen Seltzer's? No, why would you want new? I don't know, it's weird. Well, I one that she walked, walked by in fucking Victoria's Secret? Oh, those are good. Buy them for me. <laughs> dudes pay a lot of money for like used panties. panties. Yeah, used makes sense. Yeah. New makes zero sense. <laughs> you can just go out and buy those somewhere. I wonder if she has to have them tailored. There's a website, WarnFantasy.com. Use panties and lingerie. Panties. Well, you're plugging off the ass day, aren't you? You're giving out some... He's already hit three plugs. He's a plug slot. Got going. He is a little plug slot. Well, Jer $40. Jeremy Piven is coming in in just a moment. For Mr. Selfridge, which airs on PBS, Masterpiece Classic, 9 p.m. on Sundays. Mm. Season 2.
Hey, did you see the new Mike Judge last night? Silicon Valley? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Watched it. Loved it. First episode was really strong. It was real. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be in Silicon Valley and like trying to get apps off the ground, but it seemed like he nailed it. It seemed that's like what the, the what it is. I know your hero, Elon Musk, did not find it amusing. Oh, come on, Elon. You live in that world. You know how it is. Elon's coming. When they were talking about the boss, like, it's amazing to talk to him. <laughs> you know, I spend 10 minutes a month with him, and it's incredible. He, he makes, I've met people like that. He yells at you, but he's making you better as he's yelling. Yeah. It's not really yelling. Oh, I love that. Mike Judge has a huge hit. I, I feel he has a huge hand in his fucking hands. I, I, I loved it last night. Yeah, I don't know whether it's going to be a huge hit, but the critics liked it. Everybody but Elon and his fucking stupid electric fucking golf cart that he's driving around. <laughs> Tesla. All right, Jeremy Piven is coming in. Season two of Mr. Selfridge airs Sundays at 9 o'clock on PBS. Masterpiece classic at Jeremy Piven on the uh, Twitter. Let's bring him in. Jeremy travels everywhere to this music. He just has a band playing as he's walking down the hall. I love it, man. Thank you for the intro music. Well, you're... Uh, I already saw this, that you already... Uh, they upped season three. Yes. Uh, bef- uh, just as season two was starting. Um, we... No, we we actually I think you know they uh, they use the word proper a lot there yeah. and they do everything in the proper way and I think they waited to fully commission us until recently. Yeah. Um you know w- w- we've just been so incredibly lucky over there in England we just it, it always wins its time slot no matter what they throw at us they'll throw the BAFTAs which is basically uh-huh. their Academy Awards. I mean imagine Imagine a, a TV series over here going up against the Academy Awards and beating it. It just—I can't imagine that. It, it, it happens over there. They—they they love the show. I love being over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you would have told me, you know, five years ago that after Entourage I would go to England and do a period drama, <laughs> which it would be so incredibly well received in England, yeah. where they invented the period drama, do really well, and it would be slow going in your country, I'd be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. But the has any Americans done this before? Where you go over after having a one hit TV in America, go to England, have another hit show? Not even Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I, I even beat Spacey <laughs> to the punch. Um, no, uh, no one has. And I, you know, this was one of those things where. I just got incredibly lucky. There was a book called um, Shopping Seduction and Mr. Selfridge, and um, Lindy Woodhead did a brilliant job with it. And Kate Lewis optioned the book and went to ITV mm-hmm. um, and just said, what do you guys think? And they said, we're in. And then, you know, for them, this is a very big, lavish production, about a million bucks an episode, which is huge yeah, they for don't England. Do that. They don't do it. Yeah. And for here, it's like, that's a budget. 
Yeah. I, remember, I remember, remember telling the guys at Showtime that, and they were like, well, you do it for what? Now, by the way, it's an hour show that looks like a movie. Mm-hmm. So um, they have to be incredibly inventive. The directors are on their game, and it's the best cast in the world. Well, it is very, very precise, too. It's extremely uh, every single episode. You know what I mean? The, the people are coming in and out. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts to this. Yeah. It looks really large. Yeah. But what always gets to me about things like this is that the themes are, would not be that different than the themes today. You know, what I mean, like um, humans keep telling ourselves the same morality tales over and over and over. Absolutely. Um, people love Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. This is Downton Abbey is a country, and we're the city, and we're faster paced and kind of juicier and edgier and that's the way our our lives are and yeah we keep learning the same lesson harry's learning right now that you can be a slave to your ambition and then you can get at your wildest dreams to come true but the reality is if you've neglected the love of your life right. and your relationships you're you're doomed and that's what lesson he's learning um and all of these great characters around us are, are learning lessons that we all do but at the same time i think that we're fascinated right now with period dramas because it is so easy for us to hide mm-hmm. you know to communicate with anyone we don't have to see their face text email whatever we can just continue to hide and then there is no hiding you, you wanted to speak to someone you had to go face to face yeah and it lends itself to just more entertaining pieces of drama yeah and so that's why i think right now more than ever we're we're gravitating towards those pieces and i think that's why people are going to really dig dig the show yeah well if he was around today obviously he'd be like in silicon valley you know what i mean he would be running like an amazon but at the at the at the same time there's something about him because he's not money driven you know what i mean he's service driven he wants to be important by making other people feel important yeah no he he, absolutely he he empowered women at the time who they had no place to go if they if they wanted to go and buy rouge or lipstick or anything it didn't exist it existed in paris so he took that idea and he made it acceptable. He put mm-hmm. it like right when you walk into a store and then women could felt empowered to go and be whoever they want. He also loved women. Yeah. And there are women that had uh, accounts at Selfridges. They'd go in there and they'd spend whatever they wanted to. So he was a little bit of a, of a player and a playboy and all those things. Um, and that will come home to roost in a major right. way, which is also really juicy to watch and to play and the first question the Brits had to me when they offered me the role was, how are you going to play a guy that cheats on his wife and have us still like him? And anytime you have questions like that, you want to play that role. Sure. Because it's like you have to figure something out in the execution that will give the character some depth that would be able to you know solve the problem that's not necessarily there on the page yeah and that of course is a story that gets retold throughout history you know (laughs) some of our greatest presidents um then you look back and go well this same you know charisma that brought everybody to them also started to get in the way of their personal life how could it not right you know right and you know it's it's a problem that charismatic men have. And yeah, we've seen it 
forever. Yeah. You know, it's always since, you know, it's probably, it's been around since for all of mankind. Everybody but Jesus, and even there, there were rumors, you know. That, he was a nice <laughs> Jewish carpenter, man, yeah. and I'm confused by the whole thing, to be honest with you. But Mary Magdalene was there the entire, <laughs> like, why? They're just friends. We don't have enough Jewish carpenters anymore. <laughs> no. No, he was really the last one. <laughs> he was the and, last one. <laughs> you know, even now, I don't see any of his work. You would think somewhere no. there would be an end table a footstool in a museum. No, you really don't see a lot of Jesus' <laughs> stuff anymore. It would be great. Yeah, it would be great. It would be great just to be able to go there and go, well, you know what? I mean, I, I like some of the stuff he came up with, but I don't think that's even. I really no. see that. And I, did Jesus come up with a wagon wheel coffee table? Well, was there, he that guy? Was, Is he responsible? There was some. I heard a rumor that he came up with the chair back. That before that, okay. there were only stools. Right. I, I, the wine and the water thing was yeah. killer. Might be another. Water and the wine. Yeah. I mean. Wine, wine in the water. water. <laughs> wine in the water was disappointing. Wait a minute. Worst exactly. Party ever. That's a letdown. Worst party ever. <laughs> um, you brought up the entourage, and this is one of those movies everyone's talking about long before. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I can't believe it. I mean, I feel we're, we're so incredibly blessed to, to have such an audience for that show. Um, timing, we, we tapped into, like, you know, because I think... Um, people are fascinated by celebrity mm-hmm. and and the inner workings of that, the backstage life of it, and I think we got lucky and tapped into all that. Um, and we ride again. We just wrapped a couple days ago, and uh, yeah, I think you know we did everything we possibly could, and yeah. we, we pulled out all the stops, and and the gang are back to ride again, and and we had incredible cameos. Um, and uh, it'll come out next summer, so we've got to wait a little bit longer because of the timing of it all. Um, but yeah, I think for the people that that love the show, I think uh, it's it's going to be satisfying. Well, the people that love that show are obsessed with that show. Like, yeah. crazy, crazy obsessed with it. Yeah. But uh, you, you know, when you bring up the celebrity thing, you come to acting from a different way. You didn't go into acting to become... You know, rich and famous, right? Well, I didn't even know it existed, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I, you would go to the theater, movie theater, and you would see movies, and you'd, you'd be like, how, how does that even, where do they even make right. those? Uh, I mean, you go and see Apocalypse Now, and you're like, well, that, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't, that's not something I could ever do, but maybe if I get lucky, then I could get paid as a stage actor. That would be, man, that would be the dream. Yeah. And then after you do that, you're like, well, there's a local sh- TV show being shot here. I can audition for that? Okay, let me audition for that. And then you get that, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then you just you keep swinging away. And I had a theater company with John Cusack called The New Criminals. And and you just you keep going. And then suddenly one day you're like a regular on The Larry Sanders Show. That was like my first you know gig and you're learning from the best and and then you just kind of keep going and that's listen i was 40 movies into it before i even started entourage so i've I've been around a minute yeah but you know that there's another one that you had that larry sanders show which you go back and watch it now and it's even more brilliant than the first time that you saw it. I mean, that should have yeah. been a show of its time because everything was, you know, kind of ripped from the headlines of what was happening. You go back and watch it, and you're like, damn, there's nothing this good, you know? Well, it was ahead of its time for sure. Yeah. Um, that's why I say everything's timing. That's why I think yeah. Entourage got so lucky because it was timing, and I had never had luck 
professionally before that. Yeah. Necessarily. It's a terrible, weird statement to say, but I just, I just felt like I got pretty lucky on that one because I would do shows that I was proud of and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, because of maybe you were buried in a time slot or whatever, it's like, I feel that with Mr. Selfridge. Like, I, I genuinely feel it's the best show, best show I've ever done and mm-hmm. the best work I've ever done. And listen, PBS said to me, we love this show. We'll do whatever you want. We don't have any money because they're publicly supported. You know, mm-hmm. they have the pledge drive and, and it's supported by the people. And I'm so proud to be a part of that network. You know, they're just such integrity over there and such a great pedigree of shows. But, you know, they just don't, you know, we don't, you, you pass by a billboard, all men must die, <laughs> you know, yeah, and right. we're, we're up against Game of Thrones and they've got right. $63 million to advertise. We have $11. <laughs> yeah, right. We have a, a bake sale. It's, a, it's, you know, it's a lemonade stand on a corner that my aunt is throwing <laughs> and then they put it into a cup and then we pass it around. And that's why I'm here and that's why I'm on Twitter and on How You Live in J. Piven on my Instagram, just blowing it up, trying to get people to watch my show. I've seen this year's, and I think it's actually even stronger, and I love last year's, and it was one of those things that I went through fast last year, and I felt the same way this year of, like, what's next, what's next, because this guy... And it's always that great Citizen Kane type story of, yes, you've got it, but it's hanging by a string all the time. How do you sleep at night knowing that? You know, and that's always the, you know, the biggest dreamers that we have in this world. They can lose it all like that. Uh, He he absolutely can at any moment, and he makes it even harder for himself because... He knows the power of advertising before anyone knew it. Mm-hmm. So he spent so all of his money on it. And he was the first man-made celebrity of, of his day. And because he was there every morning, as soon as they opened those doors, he was there to greet people. And they, oh, this is the guy. This is, here he is. Here, yeah. Here's Harry Selfridge. And he loved it. He loved putting on a show. But yeah, um, it's a Greek tragedy the way his life plays out. And we're going to do it as much justice as possible. And along the way, it's so fun. So we're having a blast, and yeah, I agree with you. I think this year is better than last year. Well, you know, the the war stuff looming is that we forget that these people were, you know, basically on the front. Europe was being torn apart, and it's a lot different than, oh, we're sending our boys overseas and, you know, support the troops to where, you know, basically the barbarians are at the gates, Yeah, you know? Yeah, but, you know, at that time, they... They thought that they were going to go beat up some Germans and come right. back and take a victory lap. They had no idea. And, you know, Harry was pretty cautious of, of the whole situation. And they all felt like, oh, here's this American. He's going to run back the first sign of war. This guy's going to take off. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to let them know that that he was loyal to them. He was. I mean, he stayed in England, man. That guy, he went over there. As a, as a younger guy at the turn of the century and just stayed until he was 90 years old, until his whole life. Yeah. And was very true to them. And um, it's, a, it's a really great kind of amazing story. I mean, it was voted the best store in the world a couple of times to this day, you know, and that's all because of what he created. And that's just the tip of the iceberg in, in terms of the show. Everyone that's seen it says just what you just said, which is, I can't wait to see what's next. Right. And that's that's what you want out of a show that's yeah you know i'm i'm a person has a very strange pop culture reference i've never seen an an episode of friends but i've seen every episode of breaking bad Mm -hmm. you know i was a i was a fiend for it like the rest of the country but yeah listen it took 
I don't know, three, four seasons for that show to catch on. And the problem with Mr. Selfridge is they have a very finite amount of time that they want to shoot it. They like the, their entire idea was let's shoot the, his entire reign in four years, four seasons. Yeah. So you know we don't have four seasons to wait for for people to <laughs> to get hooked. I mean, people across the we sold this to 155 countries. There's only 200 countries. This show sold more than Entourage. People took a look at it and went, "We we we want a part of this." So the United States is the last one on board, which is fairly ironic. It is. Uh, we're very strange that way in yeah. our viewing, you know, but we're strange that way even with our news. The, Any time that the news goes outside of this country, the ratings drop. Actually, we picked up a little bit because of this airplane, you know, that thing got people to pay attention. Yeah. But if you uh, watch the... Um, you know, Vice is the on HBO is the only thing that's doing like news stories about what's happening around the world. Yeah, very very odd Americans' viewing habits. Yeah, I I think that, but you know, I wonder: are we inherently jingoistic, mm. or, or I like to use big words? Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, or, or is that? Is that, are we trained to be? Yeah, I think it's learned behavior. I think it's learned behavior. And there's a thing, you know, it's a cheeseburger thing where I like a cheeseburger, so I'm not going to try a lobster roll until someone has to say, dude, you got to, you got to eat this. You know what I mean? You're <laughs> yeah. going to try this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's important to be curious sure. about the world. It really is. Um, and that's one of the things that, I think other countries, that's the knock that other countries have on us. Right. It's like, are, do we care about uh, anyone other than ourselves? And, you know, we have papers like the USA Today where, you know, it's everything is USA number mm -hmm. one, which is great, but also we can learn from other cultures. They're fascinating. And where yet, we all came from. Yeah. We all came from all these places, you know. Right. It's only going to enhance who we are. Mm hmm um, and I, I do agree with you. Shows like Vice are, are pretty fascinating and great. Are people watching it? Yeah. Yeah. They definitely are. I mean, they don't, again, they're doing cable, so they don't need the same kind of ratings that if they were doing like 2020. But I honestly think that they're going to change TV. I really do. I've been watching them this year, and I'm like, there's enough there, and they're doing such a good job for it, that they're going to start and be copied before you know it. Um, and you see the networks are copying off cable now in their primetime viewing. You know, if they see something is is successful, they'll start to get into it themselves. Yeah, you're right. I, and it's hard to believe that we've had nothing like Vice in this country. Yeah, it is hard to believe. I, I guess it's like a sexier Al Jazeera. Yeah, in a lot of ways it is. Although I see the Al Jazeera America is starting to look more like CNN and MSNBC every day, too. I, I'm already worried that they're getting... Um, tainted by us, you know, tainted by ratings and stuff. Yeah. Uh, season two of Mr. Selfridge airs Sunday, nine o'clock on PBS Masterpiece Theater. You know, Jeremy's great in it, but there's so many great stories happening and it's all coming in and out. I'm happy to see you back here, man. Thank I you. wish you good success with everything and, uh, I'll see you next year for Entourage. Yes, or indeed. You, or you won't need us then. You're like, hey, we're going to straight. No, we're, it'll be like, you know, at the Super. Bowl when you have to have a press conference, yeah. you'll be one of 3,000 people. Oh, yelling yeah. out stuff. Yeah. What was it like to play Ari? <laughs> I don't remember you, sir. No. I'm done with you. Thanks, Jeremy. I'll see you next Thank time. Thank you, buddy. guys. 
That's Jeremy Piven. That was really funny. We goes next year to be like one of three thousand. I'm yelling questions at. We're at press day for Honorage <laughs> yeah, the press film. Press day. Uh, Looks like Turtle isn't talking. He's going to be fined <laughs> by the fucking studio. It's literally like that for some of those things. Like, if they ever try to send you out to a red carpet, impossible. Or those weird junket things where they're just in a hotel room? Yeah, what they do with those junkets is they'll put five reporters at the same table, and everyone gets to ask one question. <sighs> weird. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, right, I'm going to go back to these uh, the Booty Queen pictures. And Shelby, um, you voted against uh, Jen Selter. It's all about Caitlyn Rice now. It's her world. We're just living in it. 85% to 14%. So, Shelby, you're way fucking off. Voting is skewed somehow. Mm. In a reality. Did you forget to jump in during the uh, Piven? I was just so enthralled. Well, that's the thing. It's not your job to be enthralled. You got to be in there. You got to hit it. You got to make it happen. Uh, we're going to take a break here. You know, we were uh, talking a lot about, you know, now that Letterman is leaving, everybody is talking about who's next. Who, who did you have? Um, I had, uh, I think, I had uh, John Stewart. John Stewart. And who did you have? I had uh, McHale, Joel McHale. I will tell you this. I know for a fact that Conan O'Brien was walking down Park Avenue the other night. Holy shit. Now, he lives in L.A. He was just doing the Dallas, the week in Dallas. It seems to me New York is not close. So it's not a layover <laughs> you're going to have in New York. I mean, it was a bargain on the flight that he had to get the layover. It had everybody talking a little bit, though. That's wild. Alright, I'm going to give you my new prediction on this, too. Alright. Not only are we going to get a new host at 11.30, we're also going to get a new one at 12.30. Ferguson out, too? Yes. I say, if you don't give Craig Ferguson the job, you got to get rid of him. It's like, if you've got a backup quarterback... And you go, we can't use that guy. Then you can't keep him on the team. New vision. Uh, well, I think he gets like $5 million if he gets passed over. $17 million. <sighs> Holy shit. But what they're saying is that's well worth it for us to pay off that thing and go in another direction. They'll work that in. Oh, my God. This is this fucking late night. This will be late night wars all over again. Well, this is... Yeah, this is late night wars all over again. It really is. I mean, I'm sure they're all, you know, working against each other, trying to <laughs> be that person. Because here's the weird thing. If you don't get that gig, it doesn't come up again for another 15, 20 years. I mean, can you imagine that anyone at NBC is saying, what do we do after Jimmy Fallon? No, that's done. If Jimmy Fallon got hit gets hit by a truck, they got the guy that's going to come in and, you know, take that gig. This They're is... all lined up together. <laughs> it's not like nightly news where, like, it's a, kind of a peaceful transition. There's not a lot of infighting. But with Late Night, even with Letterman and Leno, who was going to take Carson's spot, that was a big deal, too. These, these people really want it and are pretty pissed when they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's uh, Aaron. Aaron, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, uh, yeah. listen, 20 minutes to one, is Fezzy there tonight? 
Fez is here, but not in the studio. Uh, okay. He's um, in meetings. In meetings. Uh, okay. Oh, Ronnie, Ronnie, don't let him do this to me. Ronnie, don't let him do this. All right. That's, that's, don't be mean about it. Dick. This is a cruelty thing. Thanks for backing me up, uh-huh. I never have anybody do that, but you've been there for me. That guy was a straight asshole. And season two, thanks for Jerry Piven stopping by. Season two of Mr. Selfridge airs on PBS Masterpiece Classic, 9 p.m. every Sunday night. Good job with that. Did you call him Jerry Piven? Yeah, he did. <laughs> That's his he actually of... called him Jerry Pivlin. That's, well, I mean, that's what we call each other. You wouldn't even look at him, let alone jump in. You were supposed to jump in during that. Just seemed like it was going great. And, hey, guys, let me get in here. Yes, that would have been great. Yeah, that's what I was on. looking for. Let me stop this flow. Yes, stop the flow. Get the plug out. You already did a shitty job having his fucking headphones. He was pissed about that the whole time. Oh, my God. trying to work them and... Uh, Shelby's looking at him like, I know mindset too. <laughs> I fixed them. Do you realize there's sound coming out of these? You shouldn't fix them. They should be set up for him. I'm just pointing this what? out, Chris. Yeah. Today is the most underproduced day that I've seen in the history of radio. It's god awful. I don't know why Shelby couldn't help him out with his headphones. Well, they usually don't wear them. So. He's untrained. If he doesn't wear them, then you should have taken them away. So he doesn't have to sit there and worry about tight... You had baby-style headphones for him. Like if an infant came in and wanted to put on headphones. He's an adult actor male. Uh, Justin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. So uh, I was the first caller when you guys joined, uh, whatever, Raw Dog now, right? And I wanted to be the first caller when we get the Fezes back. But now I hear Shelby bringing up gay topics because I saw that chick's ass and... That's all I could say there, and he's doing crappy plugs, so now I'm getting nervous. I do agree that there seems to be a weird, an awkward transition, but isn't that what we've always had with the show? Awkward. And I'm going to say the same thing. If Fez doesn't come through in his meetings, yeah, I see no reason to keep Shelby on board. Because he's here almost as a shadow fez. In season two of Mr. Selfridge, uh, that does air Sundays at you 9. You just said that a minute ago. Gotta get those plugs out. No, the plug is done now. There's other things you can plug. Why don't you plug in the uh, the Jen uh, Selter? Why don't you plug in the O&A tickets? When are they going to be given out? I have the, a lot of people saying, when do I know whether I won or not? The deadline to enter those sweepstakes is April 10th, this upcoming April 10th, uh, Thursday. Mm -hmm. The ONA Unmasked Tickets will be taking place uh, April 17th at Caroline's at 4 p.m. If anybody wants to call in and wish Fez well with his meetings, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. And then go to the uh, the iBang is there a new Instagram booty queen you can vote between <laughs> Jen Selter and Caitlin Rice? I'm sorry, I hate, I hate to say this, but he's doing a great job. He's building? I always thought Fez was the only one who could read. But now, you know, just because 
I hate to say it, but Chris can't. <laughs> I, oh, I wish you wouldn't have fucking said that on the air. I've been getting away with it for a long time, but no. I, no, you haven't gotten away with anything. <laughs> I can't read. I don't know if You it's... can't read, you can't write, and you struggle with talking. <laughs> I, I definitely have... The writing is almost... It is illegible. It's just my own language. Why don't we do this? Uh, play some, you know, like, quiet music, and we'll all, like, cut things for Fez. Like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of thinking about you and hoping for the best. Like, you got anything on that replay there? Some kind of soft music. I got Chris. some soft music right okay, here. You got it right there. All right, let's take a listen. All right, you first, Chris. Hey, Fez, it's Pepper, your producer. And God knows what's going down in those meetings, but hope you turn out okay. Love, Pepper. This is really nice. You know what I mean? It's like our version of, you know, support. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Maybe we can put these all together for Fez and send them out to him. Oh. Let's hear one of yours. Hey, Fez, it's uh, Shelby. Just want to wish you luck in all those meetings and hope you get back to the show, especially in time for this ONA Unmasked, which is taking place April 17th and deadline to get tickets uh, April 10th. So get those... Get those uh, Sweepstakes in now. Good luck, Fez. We're all pulling for you. I hate that you turned that into a plug, but maybe it'll mean a lot to him. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. You like this music that you're playing? Because I'm not crazy about it. I can switch it up. Yeah, I like it to sound like a little more melodic. You know, something nice. Yeah. That's some stuff that should be on your replay anyway. You know that you got to go to. You know. David in Tennessee, welcome to Messages for Fez. Uh, yeah, I want to wish Fez happy meetings today. The show wouldn't be the same without him. Unless Shelby starts crying, and then we wouldn't miss him at all. Oh, edit out that last part. Okay. James, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ryan. Just wanted to call and, and wish uh, Fezzy good luck. I hope he uh, finds a better career that's more suited for him. And I hope you find a good partner that works out for you better, sir. Because I know you were very frustrated, and I think you sound a little better today. I couldn't be happier. Uh, Ralph in Delaware, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yes, I'd like to um, offer Fez, um, just tell Fez that he's a major reason why I listen to the show. I like he's it. just a major reason that I just, I'm a bit, better person for, for Fez. Just thank you, Fez. I love you. And that was a major, you know, well wish. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It's well wishes for Fez. Kind of like what they would do after a tsunami. Or a nuclear bomb going off somewhere. Oh, God. You know, Fez, it's, uh, it's Shelby here again. I'm still thinking about you in those meetings. I hope to see you soon so we can watch Mr. Selfridge on PBS Master Piece Classics. 9 p.m. on Sundays. Love you, buddy. Is he shitting why he's doing that? <laughs> I think he was trying to convey emotion, but it's just poop. Jason in Detroit, it's well wishes for Fez. Yes. Fez, I need you to come back to the show, especially after Undertaker losing last night. I need you back in my life to cheer me up. I'm sure he took that as a bad side. You know, I miss Fez around here today. Being Monday, he always has that panic 
where you try to go to the meetings and he acts like that's the show. Yeah. The pre-show meeting. And he's just... <laughs> he's a jitterbug. He's jittery. <laughs> he just doesn't want to screw anything up. Yeah. Which, Fez, I hope you're not doing right now in those meetings down the hall. Liz says Fire actually wrote this. You want to hang out when you get back to Florida? Messages for Fez. Oh, God. I still don't like this music either. It's not, like, sad enough or something. I want it to sound like the music when someone's dead at the Oscars. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Shelby thinks he is better. This makes me sad. It's messages for Fez. Here's Aaron in Louisiana. Uh, yes, I was calling to wish Fez warm wishes with his meeting. I would also like to make, make a donation of six feet of rope that he can use to hang himself with this afternoon. All right, that's not fun. Greg in Kansas, it's messages for Fez. Hey, I just want to wish Fez best of luck in his uh, meetings today. Don't let the man stick it to you. That's beautiful. Here's Frank in Durango. Messages for Fez. Hey, Fez, if you can hear this, that means that my plan to get you voted out worked. Look, you just joined up with the wrong alliances, and now uh, it looks like uh, you're going to the jury house. So I hope you don't hold it against me when it comes time to vote. Thanks. This is so nice after his career, and the messages for Fez are literally dripping in here. Just <laughs> dripping in. Slowly but surely. Uh, and a runaway for that seltzer butt up on the eye bank. Um, the gay kid isn't pushing it, but that might be the greatest ass picture in history. I mean, she destroys all comers. Oh. Literally. Oh. <laughs> it's Ouch. That, that literally. You don't even realize how stupid you are with <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> Kevin, messages for Fez. Kevin in South Carolina. Oh, sorry, driving down the road. Well, I just wanted to wish the best to Fez, and, you know, I hope the doctor gives him a good prognosis. I hope it's not the big C, and get well, buddy. Jay in Chicago, messages for Fez. Hey, Ronnie, million bucks. Uh, is this for Fez's uh, contract renewal? Yeah. It is, and also to Fez, uh, if he just does the Mrs. Field live read again and starts crying, I think that will score him his contract back. Yeah, let's grab that, um, because I don't know how the bosses... I will say this. I'm going to pull the curtain back a, a little bit. Um, his boss is right ahead of him. Love him very much. But their bosses aren't as crazy about Fez. What? I got it. And here's, just to show how great Fez is, how much better he is at this than Shelby, this is Fez doing a live read for Mrs. Fields Cookies. What if Mrs. Fields herself offered to set up a shop in your kitchen, not to only make all the cookies and treats you could possibly imagine, but then also offered to wrap them up and carefully place them in amazing gift packages, then hand deliver, uh, deliver them to all your friends, family, and clients. Would you be interested? Well, of course you would. Well, MrsFields.com essentially offers this exact same service. It's uh, with a few less amazing aromas filling your house, but still you get the point. 
At MrsFields.com, you can shop the world's best cookies and treats, all baked to perfection, sealed fresh, and shipped directly to you or your gift recipients. Packaged in beautiful gift baskets or festive holiday tins and boxes, Mrs. Fields' gift is the perfect gift for anyone on your list. These gifts can also be personalized with a message, a logo, or even a photo. So visit MrsFields.com today and ship the world's best cookies and gifts. Enter code KITCHEN, that's code KITCHEN, at checkout and save 20% off your order. Again, that's the code word KITCHEN and save 20% from MrsFields.com or call 1-800-COOKIES. 1-800- to me, the best part was that he was crying and he used the word festive. <laughs> Festive. He's selling. He's a plug king. Uh, Jill Lawson just wrote to me that she was at a restaurant sitting near uh, Conan O'Brien when he was meeting with his agents. And she said, I should have been nosy. You should have thrown yourself at him if he gets at the night show. What are you doing here? (laughs) What are you eating? So here trying to get the uh, late show, huh? I want to read from some of our friends who have sent messages to Fez. Rorschach writes, give me some of that sad music back. Fez, I want to wash your ass out in your yard in front of your neighbors with my tongue. Sarah McPants writes, remember the good times, buddy. As soon as I think of one, I'll let you know. Fuck says, I'd like to give the gift of my chocolate starfish if he pipes up today. Shanna Banana says, I love Fez. I hope your meetings go well. Miss you on the air this morning. I need my Fezzy fix. And then finally, Estero Bloke says, Herp, derp, dippity doo. Message for Fez. <laughs> Sounds like his. Brain's all fucked up from looking at those Instagram booty queens on the iBang. Go right now and vote for that. Get Caitlin's get Caitlin's numbers. What, what's the numbers right now? Eighty-four percent for Jen Selter. It's a fucking romp. It's a romp and a stump. Barn burner. No one's gonna fucking take that ass down. Bill, you're on the run of Fez show. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, this is Bill from Technical Support. I'm just wondering what the name is that I'm changing this to on the 800 number, and also I need to give this to the nameplate manufacturer. Um, I know that you're joking about this. If Fez doesn't come back, um, then it'll be Ron Bennington's super fantastic show. Um, be millions of guests, fun, laughter, and prizes for you, the listener. Cash prizes. Really? Oh. Yeah. Denominations. Yeah. There's also going to be the weekly producer party I'm taking everybody Holy out Holy shit! Fuck yeah. Can I take back that well wish I gave to Fez? Well, you can give him a new well wish. Okay. Hey, Fez, it's it's Pepper. And, um, I mean, now that I just heard that this new Ron Bankman show is going to start, there's going to be producer parties every week. I can't even week. say my name right, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Ron Bennington. <laughs> How do you not be able to say this? <laughs> Ron Bennington. Hey, Fez. I'm doing Ron Bennington show. Hey, Fez, I heard about this new Ron Bennington show where there's producer parties. So even if you don't come back, I'll keep in touch. Pep. That's nice. 
I'm probably not going to keep in touch. <laughs> Get his email, though. Still, with all these parties going down. I will say this. I don't stay in touch with anyone. <laughs> it's just, uh, just a fact of life. It happens, you know? Just a fadeaway. Mm. I met a woman at a party not too long ago, and I said to her, I go, so do you have any kids? And she says, yes, and you're one of them. I'm your mother, and this is how rare you come around. Holy shit. I go, oh. Okay. Jeff, I'm going to read some messages for Fez. Dear Fez, right now you're a standalone fruit. Alone, standing, maybe sitting, but alone in meetings, probably. W.B. Fletcher says the un, the New York City unemployment benefits can be tricky. Good luck, buddy. Fez, you're in a meeting fighting for your gig. But if I close my eyes, it feels like you're right behind the mic. Spoonman says, hey, Fez, remember, don't grovel. Just get down on your knees and suck some of that executive dick. But they write cock. <laughs> Solace says, meet you in Niagara Falls, buddy. Hey, Fez, this is uh, Shelby again. I don't know if you've listened to those other two previous messages or, you know, what order they are when you see them. But you just disregard those ones, uh... I had said those before I heard about this new Ron Bennington Super Show that seems... I'm not even crazy the way you say it. Seems pretty sweet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, good luck... I think luck. it's a super fantastic show. Good luck to you on your, uh, you know, future endeavors, but this, this fantastic show is going to be off the chain. One love. This one got set. This <laughs> sets fire here again. Stay away from the fishbowl and the building. <laughs> Hashtag messages for fans from the bosses. Hey, how do you like the new lobby? I like it. It's very Japanese. I, that's exactly why I'm loving this thing. It's very futuristic. I felt like Blade Runner a little bit when I walked in. Rick, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I just wanted to wish Fez well and um, remind him that Shelby is the root of all his problems and nobody takes you seriously unless you're pointing a fucking AK-47 at them. I'd love it if Fez came back here just blasting. <laughs> It's a good day. He doesn't need his AK. I, I'll try to talk him into using it. I go, maybe they'll come back if you show some might. Come in there shooting the shit out of everybody. <laughs> Just flash that goddamn thing. Make him know you're serious. Who do you think Fez would shoot first? Oh, God. It's me or Shelby. Oh, probably me. I think. See, I don't think so. I think he'd first blast the out cue guys for not being nicer to him. <laughs> Christina's dead. She's dead. Girl walking. Roland dead. Sam dead. Probably Aaron, who said he was homeless from upstairs. If he can even find Aaron, I still don't know who he is. He's on that list. Well, here's the thing. I know from with Fez, he never finishes the list to begin with. Everyone's pretty safe if he's deciding. I'll get back to this list later. If he's deciding this is a project he wants to pull off, you couldn't be safer. I would actually put a target right on my fucking forehead. <laughs> How far down in that list am I? I don't know. See, I think you're safe. I think Chris is safe. I think O&A and Jimmy are safe. 
I think it'll be just random shootings. <laughs> okay. I mean, any of us could get a shot because he is a bad shot. <laughs> I'm like in the hood when someone gets shot from a straight bullet through the fucking window. Maybe we could have this fun. Just pick a department who would get shot first. Okay. Uh, like booking, who would he shoot? <laughs> I think he'd shoot Annabella first. I'm picking Laura. Yeah, I'd like Laura probably. Sales? I think he'll take A Rock down. <laughs> I think he'll light <laughs> her up. That's terrible. I just think that's I think terrible. that's I think that's who fans would go after. Cause but it'll be like this. Hi, <laughs> you know, just like those shit. Someone you recognize. Hey, <laughs> fucking lights everyone up. You you know, at first. I hope they replay this after the fucking murders <laughs> take place. <laughs> Mikey D wrote in, dear Fez, I hope the bosses give you one ounce of slack. Unlike me. Chris, Wisconsin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Did you say Chris? Yeah, I did. Oh, sorry about that, Ron. Hey, I just wanted to send well wishes to Fez and his endeavors, and uh, that the comedy world lost two great guys today, so I hope we don't lose Fez, too. If he just killed himself, then I can blame everybody down here. It would be great. Jim, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey guys, um, I just wanted to say to Fez, you know, you got to look at the bright side. If things don't work out, you have all kinds of time on your hands to just awkwardly buy sandwiches for drifters and share a meal with them. Terry, you're on the run of Fez show. You know, I miss under contract, Fez. Hey, I have uh, I have some exclusive audio from his negotiations. Mm -hmm. Cookie, cookie, cookie. Jerry in Illinois, you're on the Run of Fez show. To the original Fez, eat shit and die. To the new Fez, known as Shelby, suck my dick. J-Bone. Hey, I got a rank raid great in honor of uh, losing Fez here. Sure. All right, number one, lettuce. Fez orders lettuce wraps. Number two, no particular order, K-Corn. Number three, Fez talks about animals with beards. Number four, blueberries that stand up on fruit. Number five, Intern Freddy. Number six, Cookie, Cookie, Cookie. And number seven, Mrs. Fields Live Read. I got to go really high for him with animals with beards. <laughs> because it was a short <laughs> bit. I mean, this literally was watching something blow up on the launch pad. It was so odd because I remember I, I brought it up as a throwaway thing, just some crazy talk. And he brought it back like 10 minutes later. Here it is. I believe a lion has a beard. I think that mane goes into sideburns and stuff. So I would think that would be another animal that falls into the beard category. Or at least some sort of 70s hairdo where it's kind of, it looks blown dried and uh, with the big uh, mutton chops. But it is an animal with facial hair. I don't think it's part of the goat family. And even though it's not hair, I would say the turkey looks like it has a beard. With that red stuff that just hangs down below it. Skin. Below <laughs> its chin. Below its beak. <laughs> so that's all I was going to say.
That was all I had. Um. Oh, that's awkward. I didn't even know that was up. I never saw that one. Yeah, it's it's Coke Logic. He's got Fez down. And there was this from the other day. Call the show if you're also hearing voices. <laughs> Call the show if you're also hearing voices. I'll simply remember when Fez said this to me. Um. Um. Maybe that's what he's saying now as part of the negotiations. Um. Um. Ben, turn your radio down. Call the show if you're also hearing voices. That's scary. Craig, you're on the run of Fez show. And I just wanted to send out a message to Fez and say, you know what, Fez, don't worry. After these meetings, blueberries won't be the only standalone fruit. Sam, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie? Yeah. Um, I was wondering, and, and Fez, this goes out to you. Uh, Ronnie, I was wondering if we could just have a moment of silence. For all the great moments of silence. I was thinking maybe we could show a way to the bosses out there that you care about Fez and just throw your pool furniture into your pool. <laughs> just let it fucking rip. Or no one mow their lawn this year. I'm down for that. You don't have a lawn. <laughs> he thought you meant his ball hair. He calls that the Great Lawn. <laughs> Fine, you gotta trim that up, man. Take care of it. If this doesn't work out with Fez, should we bring somebody in? Or just us do it? I'd see us do it. I'd rather have a Jeremy Piven in here, you know? But he'll be gone a lot when he has to like do movies or whatever. Good, I don't want him fucking <laughs> talking the whole time. Maybe we'll do movies with him. He took those other guys from his other fucking show, and they're all doing a movie. It's not like Turtle was getting any films. I thought he was going to be the breakout star there. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Love Turtle. I guess E is more or less the only one, you know, because he's on a sitcom or something now. Yeah. Friends with Benefits or My Rich Friends, some fucking shitty thing. Swinger talk. I'm not sure. And now Vinny Chase just... Produces things. All right, this is kind of embarrassing. Messages for Fez has just trended <laughs> without us even trying. Look at you not being able to be on it. You don't even know where your own shit is, huh? I got it. The Ron and Fez show is now trending nationwide. Let me read some of these. Uh, Drew says, do you get your own toilet cubicle in heaven? Hashtag messages for Fez. Mike Eagle. Beep. 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 Who can forget that smoke detector? Moonrock says, at least you still have your beard porn video, buddy. Your good friend throw up says, buy Bitcoin. Messages, hashtag messages for Fez. Probably shouldn't. 
JT Blair says, Hey, Fez, if this gig doesn't pan out, remember, there's always money and the banana stand. Hashtag messages for Fez. Hashtag K-Corn. Cam says, Fez, this is the biggest live read of your life. Sell, buddy, sell. Hashtag messages for Fez. DK says, good luck and... Uh-huh. Hashtag message for Fez. Rutgers Fez says, hey Fez, remember that time you had a cowbell thrown at you? That's all I have. U- Uzi Pooh says, hey Fez, just think of all the free time you'll have to relocate all those deer. Hashtag messages for Fez. Alan Chase says, um, hashtag messages for Fez. I'll never eat a donut without checking for ants. Keep changing lives, Fezzy. That's beautiful. Dan, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, I know uh, Fez is up for negotiation, but Soundboard Fez re-signed, right? We got three more years with him? Hopefully. Tim, you're on the run of Fez show. Tim. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, I'm just locking up there. I'm just all locked up. Sorry. That's beautiful. Look who it is. Blowhard. Message for Fez. Blowhard. Don't have you, buddy. Uh, boss in Illinois. What happened Hello? to these these phones fucking up? Do I not have somebody on the board? Hey, was it Beth from Peoria? Hello? Yeah, there you are, pal. Hi. We need Fezzy back. My message for Fezzy is make it back. Otherwise, we are stuck with that stony, drunken Pepper. I will say this. Pepper has run the worst fucking board and worse of knowing where all this stuff is than any producer I've ever seen. Um, Dan. Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I just want to say good luck, Fezzy, and just remember, no matter what happens, you can always have that funeral in Virginia you always wanted. Matt, in Virginia. Hey, yeah, I just want to say, if Fez doesn't get renewed, he could always use his retirement to uh, fund getting all the deer moved out to the Midwest by boxcar like he always wanted to. It would be great. Kevin, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hi, Ronnie. Question for you, sir. If he gets the axe, are you going to start looking for chains on the sidewalk? <laughs> Andrew, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say that it started raining here, and I was wondering if these are tears of joy from the angels or are they tears of sadness? If uh, if the meetings don't go well, Fez, we always have shit fuck fart. Hashtag shit fuck fart. So you can't find soundboard Fez, huh? That um, that template is missing. When's the last time you checked on it? Producers meetings. I probably saw that template last week. It was uh, should be on there, right underneath the one you have there, but it's not. How's that feel? Shitty. Do you even know what it's on? Six, I believe. But let's take it. Let's. Set it up and let's go blind. Let's see what happens. Let's go to six. 
and see if this is soundboard fez and then we'll have to go blindly through it What year was Jer- Search! Search! Hurry up and search! It's not it. <sighs> Quite the team. Let me hit it anyway. You call pianos <laughs> for me! Can you call pianos for me? They don't know! I'm trying to get a band. Hi, this is Baby Girl. Leave a message. That's what Chris calls soundboard fez. Uh, Liz here again. It's better to bird out than fade away. Hashtag messages for fez. The thing is, fez did both. Turd says grab Shelby's dick on your way out. Hashtag messages for fez. This isn't just a termination, it's an eviction. Hashtag messages for Fez. At least you have a fulfilling personal life to fall back on. Hashtag messages for Fez. If Fez doesn't make it, can we retire as Krusty Gay shirt in the studio? I'd like to see that hung, hung high. That is the thing about Fez. He always knew how to way to think his way out of a fucking jam. He loved that shirt. He's not the type of guy to be caught up five months without thinking of a of a punchline. Now we're gonna send that send it right up to the rafters. Can you call <laughs> pianos for me? That was a good one. As you've said though, it should be there. Anal anyone? There it is. The old soundboard fez. Cockamania is running wild. I am a beautiful princess. I can't see. Move your balls. I remember what he said to you that time, Shelby. The bung is now open for business. First time he met you. And Chris, he always used to say this to you. Sure, I'd do a retarded kid. (laughs) Remember? Does my stank attract you? Man ass. It's what's for dinner. Listen to how... How, like, he can be if he's reading something. Man-ass, it's what's for dinner. That's direct. That's why they call me the Rimmer. <laughs> now, we only have half of Sunboard Fest. That's the finest taint these eyes have ever seen. Show me how Daddy kisses Mommy. You know what's funny? Listen to the way the read is exactly the same on each one of these. There's no <laughs> different emotions. Show me how Daddy kisses Mommy. I'm a gassy girl today. Has anyone seen my butt plug? Found it. I can't see. Move your balls. Man ass. It's what's for dinner. So only half we have. That's why they call me the Rimmer. I like how fucking uh, Hicks looked at this like he's never seen something like this before. Great. Now my eyes are glazed shut. He's looking at this like is Fez inside there talking? (laughs) Creep Boot Mike says, don't eat the rock star. Rock salt. Hashtag messages for Fez. Jeff says, I don't know how to type silence. Hashtag message for Fez. Vito's here? Vito's here. So you found the template. 
look at the ones at the bottom. Yeah. Key not associated. Key not this is your thing. But at least we have those. Who's got sticky underpants? No, uh-uh. You got it. Oh, sure. Does my stank attract you? Sure, I do a retarded kid. Hey, who's up next for teabagging? No hair, fair game. Nothing's better than six-year-old balls. They're even littler when they bend over. Jesus. <laughs> That's pedophile talk. It is. It did trend today. Hashtag messages for Fez. The Ron and Fez Show is now trending nationwide. Wiki just writes to all the bosses. Number five, trend again without even asking for help from the fans. He's doing his best to save Fez by sending that out. That's very sweet. Just know that it trended. Don't read. It's going to be sad. No pussy for me, thanks. I wonder what Fez is going to do with his spare time now. Come here. This fatty needs a fucking... <laughs> Maybe he could take up, uh, you know, a musical instrument. Lend me your meat flute and I'll play you a song. Mm. Where do you think Fez goes next? My erection will point the way. Mm. Hopefully you'll start and eat better. Shove a potato in my ass and watch me make french fries. Make new friends. Ah, you remembered my balls. You know, what's going to wake him up every morning? It's cock time. Jeez, oh, that's awful. Jeff, Toronto, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, I think we should have a moment of dead air in honor of Fez. Yeah, you're about the fifth guy to come up with that. Bobby Digital, Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I need to pick up my paycheck. Does my stank attract you? The bung is now open for business. Well, we better break now. Trended all on its own. Thanks to you listeners, the best listeners in radio, actually. We'll be right back. Run and Fez. Run and Fez on Raw Dog. Serious XM Comedy Hits. Channel 99. Hey, it's Run and Fez. Drunk driving can ruin lives, so comedian Jim Florentine has some helpful tips to keep yourself safe on the road. Always take the highways. Don't take the, the roads with a bunch of lights on them. Don't be in the fast lane. Stay in the middle, maybe the slow lane. And make sure you keep your passengers under control. Focus. Don't have drunk chicks in the back annoying the shit out of you. You know, they want to crank the radio. They're hanging all over you and stuff. You don't need any of that aggravation. In case you didn't know, making pit stops while on your way home could prove disastrous. Don't stop at a 7-Eleven or a convenience store on the way home. That's the worst thing because the cops are always there. You're fucked. And always plan ahead before you even start drinking. I just tell them before I go, look, we're getting snacks before we leave the fucking house tonight. What do you think you might need at 2 a.m. after you just had six fucking Long Island iced teas and three shots? This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ron and Fez Show. Weekdays, noon Eastern on Raw Dog, Sirius XM, Comedy Hits 99.
on a Fed show. Um, you know, just as we're doing the messages for Fez, um, we saw some other very, very sad news on here. Um, Peaches Geldof apparently passed away today. It's Bob oh, Geldof's daughter. And she was, um, I don't know, somewhat of a socialite, you know, kind of famous for that. Uh, in England, mother of two at 25 years old passed away today. Wow. Holy shit. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, so much death. We have the, the Mickey Rooney, the John Panette. Just one after another. It was a terrible April. Uh, PJ, you're on the Ron Fez show. Oh, we lost you. Um, here's uh, our friend Janice. Janice. Hi, Ronnie. Yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember, but I think a great add-on to the soundboard, Fez. One time they were talking, he said he wanted to be able to spin around in a teacup. <laughs> and, um, yeah. <laughs> I should be able to spin in a teacup. <laughs> That's our Fezzy. You didn't have big goals. He's <laughs> <laughs> going to buy a ticket to. Yeah. Someday he, his dream was to be able to spin in a teacup. <laughs> and I got to say, you know, I jot down things that crack me up. And uh, one time you had two guys and I forgot who they were that two disc jockeys from Florida, and when you got done, he jumped up, and, he's, and you said, geez, you jumped up like you just got done fucking a chick. <laughs> 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 it was so funny. Uh, oh, it's thanks, all I got. <laughs> okay, Han, love you guys. Love you too. Bye-bye. Janice from Chicago. Adorable. Matt, in Denver, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, man, uh, I just wanted to call and see if it's true that uh, John Pignette passed away and, like, when that happened, because that seems like new news to me. Yeah, that happened over the weekend. Uh, terrible, sad news, uh, out on the road, um, only 50 years old, passed away. Uh, there was an interview with his doctor that said he had been going through, you know, health problems, heart, kidney, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know... He died going on, you know, on to the next gig. Um, a real kind of road warrior's death. And it, it can be tough out there to do that for years and years, particularly if you got problems. Let's talk, uh, get a hold of Jeffrey Gurian. I know that um, Jeffrey knows everybody in comedy. Let me know when he's up. Um, all right, we got TJ back. Go ahead, TJ. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm sorry I've been on the state. I haven't been able to listen. And uh, is so Fez off the show for his evaluation, or what's the deal? Yeah, he's in meetings. So just today, or is it just like... I have no uh, idea. Is... Oh, I'm certainly okay. not part of the meetings. If you remember me going back On to the this stuff, that we were going to start to handle our stuff separately now. Ah, he he was... Yeah. Uh, he I did see him earlier today, and he did seem like he had what he normally calls a case of the Mondays. Jitters. You know, he was wearing a nice shirt, ready to go down there. Very so similar. So happy about perfect. that. 
Him and Garfield, very similar. They hate but Mondays. I'm sure I don't see. I don't follow the Garfield, even though I saw that movie stripped. <laughs> All right, we got Jeffrey Garian. We got Jeffrey, and he's down in Florida. I believe it's just ending up. It's that uh, Sobe Comedy Festival. Jumps around. <laughs> Jeffrey Gurian, how are you, my friend? I'm great, man. I am great. And I did jump around, man. Boy, did I jump around. Let's, um, you know, before we get into this, three big deaths over the weekend. Let's see how connected you are. Um, do you know Mickey Rooney? Yeah, I, well, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't say I know him. I spent uh, time with him at. Uh, some years ago, it was very interesting. I was part of the Audrey Hepburn Foundation, and they were doing, uh, uh, they help children all over the world. And uh, I, I had brought in Marissa Tomei to be honored that night by the Audrey Hepburn Foundation. And Mickey Rooney was there. It was the only time I ever met him. Very gracious guy, really nice guy. And, you know, but 93 years old. At 93, you kind of expect it, but with John Pinnett, another shock, you know. Never have I heard a bad thing about John Panette in my life. No, no, I, I don't think you would. Never one bad thing about him ever. He was just a jovial guy, just always looking for the bright side of things. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember how excited he was. Back, I, I think it was around 2004, we went out for lunch. Uh, he was appearing at Caroline's, and he found out that he had just gotten uh, the hairspray thing. He was going to be Edna Turnblad. Oh. And he was so excited about being on Broadway. And we talked about, you know, what a difference it's going to be to be in a Broadway show as, as opposed to doing stand-up on the road, you know. And he, he was just really excited about it. And I think that was a great moment for him. And I was really, you know, I'm always proud to be able to share those kind of things with the person when you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Mm -hmm. Those are things that are very special to me, you know, to, to experience somebody's excitement. I remember sitting with Jeffrey Ross in Montreal Again, having lunch when he was told that he won for the best film for Patriot Act, won the award. A guy came over to our table, and Jeffrey always says that. He goes, you were there for that. You heard that. The guy came over. He said, I'm sorry to interrupt you. just want to tell you that your film won the award. I think it was the best film at the Just for Laughs Festival or something, the best documentary film. Sometimes you get to experience a special moment with someone. Mm hmm and that's, you know, it's priceless when, you, when you're there. Right, up on the iBang, it's uh, stuff that uh, comedians have tweeted and all. Listen to Rory Scovels. He said, I worked one weekend with John Panette in D.C. He sold out eight shows and shared his bonus. One of the nicest and funniest. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, that's was, the kind of stories that I've always heard, you know, for years. Very, a very humble guy, too. Yeah. Very humble. You could compliment him, and he was just, you know, he's just filled with humility, which is which is rare when you get to that level. Everybody liked him. I don't think there's anybody that would say anything bad about John Panet. And what a shame to go at 50 years old, you know? Yeah. Not that there's ever a good time for anyone to go, but, you know, like I sure. said, with Mickey Rooney, 93, at some point, you got to go. I have an aunt who's 106. How's she feeling? She's feeling good. <laughs> she jumps around still. Um, it's just one of those things that always gets to you. That hurt like a dick in the ass. Well, we all know it has. Jesus. 
How's things going at the meetings, Fez? I've pissed my pants, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Do you need anything before you go back? No pussy for me, thanks. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, yeah. your... Uh, oh, and the last name that we had for you uh, was Peaches Geldof. Yeah, how horrible, right? You know her. The 25 years ago? No, no, I never knew her. Whoa, oh, stop, no. Jeffrey Gurian. You're Just done. Someone that I don't know, that I had no connection to. Yeah. Bob Geldof did, uh, what was that? The, what did he produce? Live That's Aid. Huge. Live Aid, yeah. 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 Well, he actually did the whole Feed the World thing. thing. By the way, messages for Fez trending again. Hashtag messages for Fez. What did she die of, by the way? They haven't said, but 25 years old, it doesn't... Uh, yeah, it's nothing good, yeah. yeah. There's no good way to die. It's just so weird when you see when you see these things. They say they're coming threes, right? Yeah, well, let's hope only threes. The way Hicks is doing, I'm thinking it could be a fourth. Oh, healthy. Uh. <laughs> and I know when Fez's dad passed away. Don't tell daddy. I'm not going to tell. I would never... You know, and is every are you going to come back here as soon as you're done with your meetings? Of course I am. Good. You think it's going bad? No, uh-uh. All right, best of luck. You got it. All right. Are they taking care of you? <laughs> Why does my back smell like chlorine? Oh, you, they just a little bit. Are we going to get together for dinner? Man ass. It's what's for dinner. I'm not eating with you then. <laughs> I'm going somewhere else. Uh, Jeffrey, so you had a great time at the South Beach Comedy Awards? Yeah, man, they were very, they were very supportive. You know, really? every festival is supportive, but they really went out of their way to make us comfortable uh-huh. and opened up doors. You know, like you know, uh, I I had known Mike Epps before, but I was really excited to uh, interview him. So Live Nation, the head of Live Nation, introduced us and was like, just go. And you know, they 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 made everything available to me, and I got great interviews with everybody. You know, and uh, that. There were parties, like they did a, an opening party at a, a bowling alley. And so everybody was there. And then Chris Hardwick runs in, and I happen to be at the front with all of these. Uh, the Bacardi girls were one of the sponsors. And Chris runs in, and I hadn't known him. So I said, hey, we're doing interviews, and it's for Sirius XM, and we're going to shoot this thing. And he's like, absolutely. He goes, I haven't eaten. I just got off the plane. Let's do it later. But that set it up for the next day. So it was perfect. We were at uh, uh, Comedy Central through a big red carpet event at the W Hotel in South Beach, which was gorgeous. And all the Comedy Central was there, the execs and Live Nation, and um, Chris came in and we did a great interview, you know, on the red carpet. And I got to hang with Joe Rogan. I hadn't seen Joe in many years. He shaved his head, man. He looks like an MMA fighter more than a comedian. Mm-hmm. He's really bulked. He's ripped. Have you ever seen pictures sure. of him? Yeah, he's in great shape. He's, hey, Chris Hardick's n- name has uh, popped up on this Letterman shortlist. I asked him about that. He just laughed, man. I said, you know, that people put your name in the mix for who's going to replace him. He's like, I, he goes, I'm doing so many things now with At Midnight, and he's got a, a bunch of stuff, a couple hey, of new shows. Off. You're getting the late show. <laughs> yeah, Someone told like, me that they saw Stephen Colbert coming out of CBS, Yeah, and he was crying. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. I guess he didn't get it. Maybe tears of joy? He was happy? Well, they, he was screaming, why me? Oh, God. <laughs> Fez, would you please look into that? You got it. Good. And don't fuck this one up. Rude and rude. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. 
Anyway, um, so I, I got to hang with with Swartzen. Nick Swartzen was great; had an amazing show. And I, I didn't know that those guys, uh, he and Mike Epps, both had history with the comic strip. Was oh, that right? Yeah, I had no idea when I did. You know, I worked on the book for four years, and it never came up hmm. uh, that either Swartzen or Epps had been there, and they had great stories about the early days. So uh, I gave uh, Mike Epps, I had one copy of my book with me, and he loved that Chris Rock wrote the introduction. So he, 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 you know, he looked insulted, so I had to give it to him <laughs> because I'm like, I'll send you one. And he's like, oh, man, don't tease me that way. I'm like, okay, cool, you take it. I didn't even have a good signing pen. I just wrote it with my regular pen. I like to have a, you know, a professional signing pen. Do you have that pen. giant pen you go everywhere? Yeah, great. but I wouldn't take that out for another guy. Are you kidding? That's for girls to write with. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give a guy a, 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 you know, a 12-inch pen, a 14-inch pen, especially Mike Epps. You know, and we had we had a great time. He had a big thing after his show, and everyone hung out, and a lot of friends came by, and there was food, and it was it was a fantastic festival. You know, and so much different than Just for Laughs. Just for Laughs is the biggest comedy festival in the world. So there's stuff going on all throughout the day because there's a main hotel, and all the comics are hanging out at the bar, and you got to grab people when you go by. Sure. You know. Hey, who are you bringing in this week, Jeffrey? I'm bringing in Chuck Nice on Wednesday, man. Yeah, Chuck, that will be nice. Chuck's coming in. Yeah, he's great. He's so funny. And he's doing a bunch of stuff. And he's doing the gong show. And he's on a couple of TV shows. And and he'll be a great guest. So that's going to be this Wednesday at 2. All right. We'll see you then, Jeffrey. Absolutely. Good talking to you guys. I miss you. I'll be back soon. All right. See talk you later. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, Jeffrey. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say that? Bye, Jeffrey. <laughs> Why did you say that like that? I wanted to let him know that I missed him. But you didn't him. talk to him once the whole time. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like when um when one of the cleaning ladies comes in the office and says hi, and he responds with like a hi, but even matches her kind of meek hi. It's like hi, and it doesn't. Hey. It's really weird sounding. By the way, you couldn't have told a duller story. <laughs> This one time, Pepper fucking said hello to a cleaning lady. <laughs> what does that mean? <clears throat> what he says, hi. Hey. Doesn't, it doesn't oh, sound like I didn't see you there. Hey. Hey, cleaning lady. Bye, Jeffrey. Bye, Jeffrey. <laughs> Bye, Jeffrey. See you Wednesday. I'm always going to have a gay guy on the show, ain't I? No matter uh, what happens. Dude, I'm straight. It's so straight. I got to say, I mean, I'm not trying to go one way or the other, but it'll be really exciting if they don't resign fast, you know? <laughs> no. nah, but I mean it from this. It gives us all a new chance to kind of be reborn, do something new. The change would be fucking crazy. Right. Like, it's like sky's limit now. No, Fez. Right. It's just this Ron there. <laughs> right. It's Ron Bennington's fucking house party on the radio. It isn't Ron Bennington's house <laughs> Ron Bennington, super fantastic show. But, you know... Because I want to lower the expectations. <laughs> Start dropping slurs, call each other retards. Everything will be popping off. What's he talking about? Uh, he just wants to just fucking jock what it. What is that? Jock it. It's all, that's <laughs> all he wants to do. Why would you say that? Can't we can't do that when the Fez is here. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, because of the, the gay thing. He worries <laughs> about this and that. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. This, Shelby just wants to drop this fucking all the time. What's up, faggot? <laughs> That's all he wants to say. I'm in. What's up, faggot? We can start having naked chicks on the air again. There you go. 
Fucking party. Maybe I'll call it Ron Bennington's House of Vagina. <laughs> How's the uh, thing of the iBag going to the Super Ass Contest? Does not look like it's going in Caitlin Rice's favor. Too bad. 85% now for Jen Selter. She's not going to fucking beat her, dude. No one can beat her. I mean, she was like genetically mo- she, she's like genetically modified ass. Like there's, there's even, there's even a person around that ass. It's just an ass. It's well, essence of ass. John, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey guys, can we ask uh, Johnny to get Fez's harmonica to be inducted into the Hard Rock uh, Hall of Fame over in Times Square? You know the sweet, serious way that Fez went after that harmonica thing. I mean, I never saw him try anything so hard. And yeah, maybe it was not a, a memorable break. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I know that his heart was there. I know that he tried his best to be a really mediocre harmonica player. <laughs> he wanted to make he Mike succeeded. Zito proud. Yeah. He wanted to be a good boy. He wanted to be a good boy, a good boy, Tom. Um, hey, Brad, Tennessee, you're on the run of Fest show. So Jonathan, that was at a party I had and stole a bottle of Grey Goose. I called him out on it. So they did come by on my 51st birthday, and we'll watch Pink Floyd the wall, and I'll replace the bottle. Bastard. You know something, dude? I really just... I can't be part of that kind of uh, joking. That guy's a fucking troll. What do you mean by that? Like he lives under a bridge? Probably, but also that he just says things to make people angry. Mm. It's garbage. Laura from Booking tells us that she can get Jim Norton for the show. I say, yeah. I say, we go for it. I'd love to have him on. <laughs> Look, there's p- pictures of the Sam and Joe show out on Broadway. Nice. I thought she already sent us this, and we said yes to this whole list. Ben Bailey uh, contacted, and he wanted to uh, do the show. I said, yeah. What up, Ben? Cash cab. Yeah, Shelby. I don't know why you never answer messages, Chris. I do answer messages. Not hers. Oh, not I, I, I responded to this email, and Gurian hasn't contacted me all You're weekend. supposed to contact him. You're the producer. Did you work things out with Ben Bailey? Ben Bailey's been contacted. I'm waiting to hear back from Mr. Bailey. You know, you gotta stop using email and pick up a phone. I gotta get a cell. Hit him up. So fucking annoying. He just tries to annoy me. (laughs) I wish Fez was back here to handle this properly. (laughs) Everything ran smoother with Fez. Tight ship. No leaks. Now what we have a Fez is a hashtag. Trend nationwide, though. His last day trended without us even promoting it. Doesn't he realize the love he gets? Last time we trended it like that, Martha Quinn sent us love. I don't think he can get any bigger and, and make me any happier than that. I wonder if Mar- Martha's watching this right now. Scouring everything to trends <laughs> from her stu- in home studio in Malibu. That's I believe nice. that's where she does her stuff for the 80s channel out of. That's pretty cool. We got all the original VJs. It was really exciting when they had them all together up in the fishbowl. Going on about music videos. All but one. All but JJ passed away. 
I always thought that there was, that was like the best job any young person had at the time. Because MTV blew up. Then they had the uh, Wanna Be a VJ contests where we got the Jessies of the world. That came like 15 years later. Oh, but I was, when I was in high school, I was like, that's the shit. That's still fucking awesome to be a VJ. I know right now, if Fez was here, <laughs> we'd be bouncing off each other. I was, I, I was more of the TLC years. TRL, rather. TRL. Total Request Live. So you said, though, you said TLC. I said, yeah. I said TLC. Waterfalls. Tender, loving care. <laughs> Mm. Uh, Carl, Arkansas, you're on the Ronnie Fez Show. You made me disappointed, Ronnie. I don't reckon you had to go with women to be a good daddy to a centaur. You've been real square dealing with me. That's one of the worst sling daddy voices I've ever heard. And really, how would he have access to a phone? He's in that mental institution. Plug King, you forgot your plug-in? Well, yeah, sign up for the sweepstakes for the Opie and Anthony Unmasked. That's uh, April 17th, but the deadline to sign up is the 10th, this upcoming Thursday. So get those in for the random drawing. Can't purchase tickets for the Opie and Anthony Unmasked, which will be held April 17th, Caroline's at 4 p.m. Mm. Beauty. All right, who we got stepping in today? Mr. Ted Alexandro. Should we break first? Yeah, we should break. We should break first. We Are have to catch caught up. up. We have to catch up. We have to catch yeah. up on breaks. All right, he's a very, very funny man. He's brilliant, and he's a story boy. Big ups. A lot of comics have to live in a story. They don't have to live in a story. They choose to live in a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great up-and-coming neighborhood here in beautiful New York City. It's always the comics first to gentrify. It becomes their job to gentrify. I was in Brooklyn the other day, yeah. and I'm walking past around Prospect Park. Oh, yeah. Until I got to one part of it, I'm like, what just changed? You might have hit sunset, or as the kids call it, gunset. <laughs> one of my favorite fucking neighborhood names. Yeah, yeah it, gets a little, it gets a little weird. You can get a couple fucking... Some of the fucking grimy strip clubs you'll ever go to over there. Is that right? Oh yeah. Actually, the uh, the strip club in Louis was uh, uh, one sunset or gunset. Um, according to Sky News, Bob Geldof uh, has confirmed his daughter's death, saying, "We are beyond pain. How is is this possible that we will never see her again?" That's the saddest thing. It. A father could say. Jesus Christ. And um, Tom Rhodes wrote in hashtag Ron and Rhodes. Remember when Rhodes uh, wrote that article and then he <laughs> gave it to you and said, I'm going to redo it, and then you never got back to him? No, I, I did get back to him. He, he said, I, I, I don't, please don't post it. He was going to finish it. He was gonna fix it up. Yeah, but he never sent. He never sent me the fixed up version. So you never checked in with him. I shot him an email. Hey Rhodes, what's up? They sent me his new dates. But he didn't you send shoot me... a lot of emails. I do shoot a lot of emails. Did we get anything finished though with all those emails that you're shooting out? Time to time, yeah. Time to time. 
Maybe you should be down at that meeting. I'm sure Fez is dragging you down with him anyway right now. <laughs> Come on, Fez, don't bring me up. I really can't imagine being in there that long. That's why I can't see that it's bad news. That's still going on. I'm sure Fez is sitting there and hasn't even moved in an hour. Just sitting. Staring. Contemplating. Waiting. He always does that one arm thing where he leans down on the one arm. At least he gets off his Monday nerves. He's eating plenty of lasagna, too. Let, let's uh, bet right now. Do you think he's back tomorrow or no? Yes or no? No. Yes. I got to agree with Shelby. I don't think you can kill a cockroach. <laughs> but I was the cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> no cockroach. How many roaches are on this show? <laughs> no, no cockroach can ever die. I don't know. I've seen him die. If you fucking crush him, all that white stuff flies out of their body. It's really odd. Come. Oh, your body? No, no, that's jizz. No, I'm not. You just came on a cockroach. I'm not masturbating I'm over there. Coming on bugs. Oh, what kind no, of fetish isn't he? Ugh. You're fucking disgusting. It Hicks. looks like semen comes out of the giant roaches. Too bad. <laughs> it's really creepy. I think they're holding a. Special on National Geographic this Sunday too. Right. Who did who did this thing? I don't even remember. Oh, I guess I said this about Shelby. This was a Ronnie B quote, and then he wrote it up. It's like Fez took a pebble shit, and that shit grew legs and started walking around, and he illustrated it all. I don't know where that is, but it was just sent to me. From Foggy Otis. So it must have been something that was written on a ukulele. He should branch out to like the guitar. He can't. You ever listen? Yeah. He used to play guitar and then something happened to him and now he can only lift the ukulele. Alright, that's from Jamie Scandal. She's a I guess artist. Alright, should I break here, Chris? Yeah, we could break here. And then we'll be caught up, and I can take it to the limit, or I, can I still keep going? You can take it to the limit. Before I break, just give me one thing that's in the news. Uh, Cameron Diaz is going on about her love of pubic hair. Loves to lick it? <laughs> it's very... She just fucking kept on going on about how fucking pubic hair is coming back. Oh, is she talking about dudes or chicks? Chicks. Well, yeah, no one understands you. You just say Cameron Diaz, pubic hair, and you think that somehow you've entered our minds with a fucking movie. How about using a noun, a verb, an occasional adverb? <laughs> no, she said that she loves pubic hair. She's pro Cameron Diaz talking about being pro-pubic hair. I don't know why she has to fucking weigh in on this. She's sick of all these people shaving it down, not even shaving them and getting it lasered off, which is forever. She says it's just a fad. You know, just maybe shave it down, wait to see how things play out in the world, and then see if you can keep it or not. I got a spy report for you right now while you're in this dull topic that no one gives a shit about. They're now in local New York media talking about the fact that as Fez's contract ends and he may be stepping out, Letterman's also announcing that he's stepping down, and they want to know if there's some 
thing where Fez is going to be annoying at the new king of late night. Holy shit. I never put two and two together. You never have. It's fucking four. I'll do it for you. Thanks. Uh, by the way, this is this is my impression of Chris setting up a bit. Yeah. Cameron Diaz, pubic hair. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, what? I have to think more before I speak. Or I... Or just have a reason that you were bringing up that topic, rather than just saying two things and then going on. Like, watch how Shelby sets up a topic properly. So, Ava Braun, you know, Hitler's uh, wife, hmm. long-time girlfriend. Interesting. Oh, come on. Yeah, they never married. They actually, I think they did the day before he committed suicide. They just said, that happens with a lot of dudes. Let's just get this done, going to heaven married. Apparently, a new TV show in the UK is saying that she has some Jewish heritage, and we all know that Hitler was not too fond of the Jews. But it's to me, it's sort of like a lot of people, they say, like, okay, I'm not racist, but I mean, I'm not really attracted to, like, black chicks. But hey, I'm not racist. This could, I think Hitler had, like, the opposite of she saying, like, oh, yeah, I am racist, but I am attracted to Jews sexually. Uh, you used too many words, and none of them made any sense. So what you're trying to say is the reason why he disliked Jews is because he was attracted to them. That's your point. No, I think he is a racist. You know, he obviously wanted to kill every Jew in the whole world, but he also he sort of was uh, sexually attracted to them, probably. I can get you a job this year at a summer camp for dumb kids, where you just sit and babble in front of them. By the way, start a Shelby quotes page where he says about Hitler. No, I think Hitler was a racist. <laughs> yeah. Going out on a fucking limb. Look, folks, I've come up with a theory that this Adolf Hitler was a racist. He has problems. I'll tell you this. I'll go around in any elevator. Get stuck with two random people, and I bet I can do a better show with them than I can with you guys. Oh, God. I don't know whether you're going to make the Ron Bennington super fantastic show. Please. Now, look, Shelby's looking down and just writing stuff. Like, <laughs> look, you don't want don't him. babble so much. I want to get on that on this fucking new show, dude, all right? You really... Please. The last thing you want is yeah. the boss's attention. Like, what do we do next is a meeting you don't want, Chris. Weekly I wonder producer. what Fez is doing in that meeting right now. Maybe he's losing his shit. Maybe he's just fucking going off on everyone. Maybe he's checking his phone. <laughs> text him. I will text him. See if he'll, Maybe he'll send me a selfie. What are you writing down? Uh, Mr. Alexander just signed in. All right. Why don't you tell me instead of writing it down? How many times have I told you to tell me on the air? Then you'll have something to say of substance, <laughs> not... Cameron Diaz, pubic hair. She has a problem with it. Am I right? <laughs> you are right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Got him. Let's break here. We come back. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun, hopefully. Because this is a very, very funny man. That'd be Ted Alexandro. You can see him working some stuff out at the Eastville Comedy Club in New York City this uh, Thursday through Saturday, 9 p.m. And then the Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, Michigan, later this month, April 24th through the 26th. All right, we'll break. We'll be back 
Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Serious XM Com- Comedy. Hit Channel in studio with us is Ted Alexander. Ted, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, thanks. After uh, the last time you left, what what TV show did you do? I did Conan. It was Conan. Crushed it. Thanks, Sat man. up that night and was just dying. Thank you. You, um, you got, still got the special out, too, for five yes, bucks, right? I did it. And what's going on with this web series, too? I have a web series called Teacher's Lounge. Uh, we uh, shot four episodes. I co-created it with my buddy Hollis James. I play the music teacher. I used to be a, a music teacher in the New York City public school system when mm-hmm. I first got out of college. So it's based on that. I, I play the music teacher. My buddy Hollis is the janitor. We're always just hanging out in the teacher's lounge. Then we got Lewis Black as the principal. That's great. Judy Gold is the gym teacher. Janine Garofalo makes the PA announcements. Judah Friedlander from 30 Rocks in it. That's terrific, dude. Now, when you were teaching music to kids, how old were they? This was uh, K through 5. Uh-huh. And you know what's wild is just a couple weeks ago, a girl came to a show of mine. You know, I, was, I, was, I had literally just gotten off stage, and this girl's like, Hey, Mr. Alexandro, do you remember me? <laughs> I was Dorothy in Wizard of Oz, and now she's like 26 or something. Right. And uh, last time I saw her, she was in third grade or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, very bizarre. And what's really weird is it doesn't seem as long to you as it does to her. No. You know what I mean? No. It's crazy, man. Because I remember, you know, it's funny. I remember I was teaching at PS203 in Bayside, Queens, and I had been there for about five years. And I told my principal, I'm leaving. I'm going to move out to L.A. for pilot season. You know, I was probably, mm-hmm. what, 27, 28. And you have these dreams that you're going to go out there and, you know, crush it, and that'll yeah. be right off into the sunset. So, of course, you know, it being elementary school, the principal told everyone, <laughs> and I got like 300 cards, like, Dear Mr. Uh, Alexander, like with me with like my stuff on my shoulder, <laughs> like as if I was boarding a train. Good luck in Hollywood. <laughs> you know? We're all waiting for the TV season to start. Yeah, it's been about a 20 year wait, but. <laughs> I think I was the last in music class that I was like the last generation that had to sing like the really old songs like the Erie Canal and shit like that yeah and um, because I, my kids never had to pick up any of that yeah like, hey you teaching me this and that no yeah you know I was lucky in that uh, musically I was pr- pretty much given a blank slate to do whatever I wanted the only thing that I was kind of stuck in that prior generation with and I think it continues to this day is teaching the recorder the plastic recorder the plastic recorder never goes away you know so that yeah that has stuck around and that will endure as long as plastic that's always like I think in our schools it was for second grade and then the second graders would put on a recorder con- uh, concert yeah yeah for us it was second and third grade yeah you know and that's what drove me nuts really was that i was teaching the same thing year after year you know like hot cross buns and (laughs) three blind mice which is the same song yeah we just give them different titles and nobody ever caught on do you ever miss it though is a part of you ever miss teaching you know i liked teaching Mm -hmm. i like kids i like teaching um so i do miss it in the sense of you know it's obvious to you that you're making a connection you're impacting kids 
and especially with the arts, it was yeah. important to me to kind of expose kids to the arts, especially now where, you know, the arts are kind of disappearing. Sure. So uh, it was important to me to have that space where I didn't grade them. I didn't care. Like, you know, I didn't really care what they did. It was just like, let's just hang out and sing some songs and play the recorder. I remember that if they would just teach you the appreciation of music and why. And I remember I had a certain teacher who he would play Dylan or stuff like that and say, now I want you to pay attention to the lyrics. And that was like the first time that I'm like... Wow, this shit's heavy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. these songs mean something. Yeah. And uh, that's the kind of thing. Like, if you could, it's almost the same thing for sports. If you just learn rules, like, mm-hmm. all right, here's the theories behind it. Here's why these people, because you're not going to go on and play, you know, you're not going to be in the Beatles and you're not going to play for the Yankees. But you want to know why the Beatles and Yankees matter. Sure, you know? sure. And what was cool for me was I, Again, like having no rules, really. The principal left me alone. I taught them, you know, like Beatles tunes, mm-hmm. Nat King Cole, Route 66, stuff like that, uh, Louis Armstrong. Uh, I remember I actually got in trouble one time because I taught them me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Yeah. And there's a line about uh, the radical priest. Yeah. So, like, one of the parents called the principal, and then she wound up calling me at my home. She's like, Ted, did you teach them a song about a radical priest? I'm like, it's <laughs> not really what the song's about. There's a line about that, you know. Right. But I'm sure, uh, you know, Paul Simon just put it in because it fit. Um, that's the that's the funny thing is it only takes one parent these days they and they'll drag the whole thing down. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, she was in my corners and she didn't like the parent, so she mm-hmm. was like, I kind of just have to go through this rigmarole, but you know, keep teaching whatever you want. So that was good. A lot of deaths this weekend just keep coming up. Peaches uh, Geldof today, only twenty five years old. Uh, Mickey Rooney, but also John Panette, uh passed yes. away over the weekend who was really one of the good guys he was great he was he was a a real singular kind of comedic presence Mm -hmm. um you know and he was a guy that was in it before i was in it so i knew of him even before i started uh and was just you know he's a hurricane like nobody crushed the way john panette crushed right uh, I was fortunate enough to do the Lewis Black cruise. Uh, Lou does this Lou's cruise yeah. every year. Uh, I, I was I was on the, the I guess it was the first one like maybe four years ago. And John Panette was one of the comics on it. Lou brings on like seven eight comics. It was like Dom Herrera, Kathleen Madigan, whole bunch of us. And what was cool is like you only did like three nights of the cruise, and the other nights you were watching these great comics mm-hmm. that, that you don't ordinarily get to hang out with or see. So I got to watch John do like three three sets on that show, and he he got a standing over ovation every set nobody else got a standing ovation but right. he got a standing ovation he just had that whirlwind energy that i mean you just even i was standing because he was so he's such an entertainer yeah um but what was fascinating was like off stage he was just as big and just as uh, kind of frenzied because i remember after the show we were at the bar and i'm pretty low-key you know in general mm-hmm. but especially after shows i'm just kind of hanging and he's like alexandra what are you having and I'm like, oh, I'll have a Bailey's on the rocks. He's like, Bailey's? All right, bring them three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like everything, like, you know, when we were ordering food, all right, we'll have 12 of those. <laughs> you know, everything was like to the max. Right. Um, but just a sweetheart of a guy and so fun to, fun to be around, fascinating to be around, but also a little troubling to be around because you could see he definitely had his demons. Yeah, he definitely did. And I think that's why people also liked him, that mm-hmm. they could see... 
I mean, he had that baby face, like literally like an a infant. Kid. Like a kid, yeah. Yeah, infant's face. <laughs> and you could see that not everything was easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. A guy that was so gifted on stage and had a room in the palm of his hand, you just wondered, yeah, like why it was so uh, tough for him. I guess, you know, he was one of those guys that, again, this was my only time I ever worked with him, mm -hmm. so th these are just kind of my theories, but uh, you you could sense that he was one of those performers that was most comfortable on stage. Right. Right. And there are people, uh, many, as a matter of fact, that if they're not on stage, everything is a skill. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and... Well, you know that there's some guys that sit around and talk about applause. There's some people. And big, big acts. Like, they need it like it's a drug. Mm. And other people can be like, yes, that's part of the job. Right. But I don't, I don't necessarily let it all in. Mm -hmm. um, he seemed to be one of those guys who need it. And I, I remember thinking when he died on the road, it's kind of fitting because that road is where he's been for, you know, mm -hmm. at least 25 years. At least 25 years headlining. Yeah, well, yeah, probably, probably close to thirty. I would say. Yeah. I mean, and, I think you started headlining right away, even when you was a kid. I think know? you're right. Yeah. yeah, and there is kind of a a sad, poignant, kind of appropriate uh, sense to that, like uh, that, that, like you say that he died in a, in a hotel room on the road, because mm -hmm. um, like, yeah, where else, where, where else, else would it happen, go, yeah. right? Yeah. How are you on the road? Is it something you like? Something you put up with? Uh Kind of somewhere in between. Yeah. You know, I, I like it. I like getting out there and traveling and seeing how the how the act travels. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I'm kind of a homebody. You know, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. Right. So if I can be home 60 to 70% of the time, that's fine by me. You know, yeah, I think when you have to travel for a living, most people don't realize how quickly that becomes a, a grind, you know? And there's a lot of guys who have gone out on the road over the years, uh, and quite frankly, they just never come back, you know? Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. are, for, for lack of a better term, almost homeless, you know? Yeah, you're right. There might be a place that they have to keep their stuff, but they really live on the road they're kind of like functioning homeless people that yeah. know how to check themselves into a hotel <laughs> right right <laughs> know how to board a plane <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i've never thought of it that way but yeah <laughs> they really are and then you know you think well that's rough but the, after a couple weeks of staying anywhere they get a little edgy and gotta go yeah, yeah. I mean, there are those road dogs out there. It's a different breed, you know, that, that that they thrive on that. And they, you know, they have their, it's probably 50 weeks a year on mm -hmm. the road booked. Um, yeah, but it's it's definitely a different breed. And I don't know, that, you know, I mean, I guess you don't really have much else of a life. Uh, and But some people like that. But, you know, here's the thing I think about stand-up more than any other profession is that you have that thing you kill. Just say you really have a crushing set, everything goes great, and then you're going back to the to the hotel by yourself with like no one to share it with. A yeah. band guys are like, this is gonna take us to the next level, you know. <laughs> what are you gonna do if you're a comic? Yeah. You know, tell your chick back on the phone, hey, I had a really good set tonight. You're right, man. There there are certain times that it really hits you. I've had these bizarre moments where I went in a in a matter of literally moments from sometimes you hop in a cab too in New York. Like if mm -hmm. you have another show or if you're going somewhere else, you go from the mayhem of whatever just happened on stage to the utter quiet of the back of a cab 
you know, right. like it never happened. Or, or sometimes, like I've had like these chaotic sets where almost fights broke out, uh, where mm-hmm. I got out of there and then I was in a cab, and you know, but your your brain is racing, your adrenaline is rushing, but now you're just sitting in the back of a cab by yourself. It, it's very absurd. few professions like that, you know, where yeah. and really it's not going to be written up in the paper. You know, it just kind of doesn't exist. Whatever happened, happened. And you move on. Brian Regan told me this story that because he'll play big theaters and the, the crowd really shows up to see him and they go crazy. And then after the show, he'll walk down the street to, a, to the Starbucks, get in line and not anyone in that line knows him. Mm-hmm. And for like mm-hmm. one minute, you know, he's Elvis. And then the next minute, he's just like everyone else. And you got to wonder what that does to the psyche either way, you know? Yeah. You know, I guess if you need that, yeah, you know, then maybe you're not going to go to that Starbucks. You're going to go to where they know you. Right. Exactly. Um, and another kind of fascinating thing that popped into my head is I, I toured with Louis CK for a while. And we got to the point where, you know, we, we were taking private planes to a couple of these gigs. Mm-hmm. Where we would get into the, you know, we'd, the plane would land, we'd get into the car, go to the theater. I remember specifically Toronto. We do the show. He tells me, you know, be, be outside by the car after. So he's like, good night, does the, uh, does the encore, comes back out. We're back in the car, back to the plane, back home that night, like by one o'clock in the morning or something like that. Wow. So, like, talk about, again, another just change yeah. of energy, you know, He and even more so for him, because he's, like, headlining a theater, just did an hour plus. Good night, you know, then we're in a quiet back of a cab, a car service, and then uh, then we're on a plane. Almost like doing a gig in North Jersey and getting back to the city. It's true. You know? Yeah. Uh, or, like, when you go up to Connecticut, and you're like, wow, that's right, this is the way people live. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Not the city. Yes. But, see, here's the thing about Louis. There's something that was gradual about his success mm-hmm. and then he got this massive success once he had already been a man a mm-hmm. mature man mm-hmm. that i think he handles it better than 99.9 percent of the people that ever see something like that happen to I, agree. I think if it happens to you when you're 23 25 it's really a shaky thing well who knows what success even is when you're you know in your 20s like yeah. you just go by the uh mtv cribs version of of what success is supposed to be right but louis as a 45 46 year old man knows what he wants knows what he doesn't want yeah and that's one of the things that i took from being around him he's very specific almost in all facets of what he wants and doesn't want and it's cool to be around someone who's that decisive you know uh forward direct also polite and and you know not that he's an asshole but he's he's direct about what he wants and doesn't want it's it's stunning to see though it's just so rare to see somebody handle it well yeah and like you say that that can only happen when a guy's been doing it for 25 30 years you know um and has lived and has been you know what was really a learning process for me was here's a guy at when i worked with him had just lost his hbo show lucky louie yeah had just gotten divorced so here's a time when for some people you might think well that's it you know i i yeah my life's over i thought i thought i had the the marriage i thought i had the hbo show they're both gone but to me it was fascinating how he was on to the next thing he was working on the louis show so, yeah, I learned a lot just being around him. Yeah, I did uh, the Unmasked shows, like one hour with him, literally at that time. And I remember thinking, wow, he's really handling this well. 
because I know a guy who had a, you know, TV show canceled. He basically left the country for, you know, just like I can't put up with this goddamn country anymore. You know, <laughs> the hell with these bastards. Yeah. So it's a, it was a really tough thing for him. Uh, and then Louis just dealt and was like, well, I'm working on other projects. Almost like it... It hadn't happened, and I was wondering, is he just ignoring it? But I, I think, you know, that there's a way to say, I'm going to do this work, and then it's received the way it's received. You know, almost yes. like that has nothing to do with you. you yeah. Know? Yeah, I think that's healthy, and that's also a byproduct of Louis having been in the business for a long time yeah. and having had jobs in the business. Because to me, I always say there's a difference between being a comedian and having a job in show business right. where you have to show up, you have to clock in, you have to put in your hours. He had written for the Chris Rock show. He had written for Letterman, Conan. Uh, he had directed movies. He had been in show business. Right. So he knew the, the game of... Things come and go, and you're on to the next thing. Yeah, that thing, too, where you're responsible for the laugh that you don't necessarily get. There are yeah. some comics that can't stand, even the opening act, getting a, a, <laughs> a good laugh. And they'll never be able to be part of a show or a movie, you know? That's right. Yeah. Um but you're you're having fun with all this, right? You're having. I am, fun. man. Yeah, I'm doing it 20 years now, mm -hmm. and uh, these last several years, I've kind of. I felt as if I've kind of shifted into doing things on my own terms, uh, even like with the special, putting it out on my own, right. pay what you want. Um, yeah, just being more aware of the decisions that you make and not just falling into that kind of track of here's what you do next, here's what everyone does next, you know, uh, yeah. just think, examining my life and my decisions more. And so I think I have a good balance of, of the life I want and the career I want. It is a tough thing to do, too, like to say, well, this is how other people got something, but that's not necessarily what I'm going to do, you know? Especially in showbiz and yeah. comedy, because it's like, how do you know? You know, you just follow, and once you get in with management or agents, you kind of follow the path that they've followed with countless other right. clients. So why would you... You know, how could you even conceive of anything else? You're just happy to have a manager, so you do what they tell you. Well, you know, it's funny now when you see all these people who want the Letterman show uh, after he leaves, and most of them don't know how difficult and how when something is not working, now they're going to want to go back over guest, over guest. You, don't, you won't necessarily get your friends on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, people... Particularly young people don't believe me when I tell you that Jay Leno was a gunslinger of epic proportions, <laughs> come into rooms and just destroy back in the 80s. Yeah. And, but he mellowed and mellowed and gave them and gave them everything that they wanted and did the best possible job. And you could almost watch him getting unhappier and unhappier till there at the end. He was like, you know, I gave him everything, and, and they're, you know, booting me twice. Yeah, yeah, he's a fascinating study, because like you say, he he was the top dog. Yeah. You know, he was the comics comic, but then to kind of uh, gradually become an employee of corporate right. America, to lose that, um, you know, I guess, but that he that's something that he was at peace with, sure. and made a lot of money doing. Yeah. And I think he had that work ethic of, like, you do the job that you're hired to do. Um, but yeah, you also make sacrifices in the process. But at the end of the day, 
anything that I think of him is back before he did on The Tonight Show. Like, if I'm going to think of a joke that he did, yeah. it's always from the 80s. It's never from any time on. Um, yeah. Yeah, the younger generation doesn't have that frame of reference. No, they're just, they almost see him as, uh, I don't know, like a Joey Bishop or something, yeah. you know? And rightfully so, really. Yeah. Um, here's uh, Rob Little. Rob Little, you're on the air. How you doing, man? Rob. Hey, guys. Hey, hey buddy. Guys. I know, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> What's hey, up, Rob? I'm actually driving through Canada right now, and I'm listening to you guys, and Jesus, you're going over so many topics. I'm like, oh, I want to say something there. I want to say something there. <laughs> first, of all, I first wanted to call, first because when you guys were talking about Finette, again, huge loss. Um, I worked with him a few times. Even his writing partner I actually wrote a sitcom with. And um, he just like Ted said, he was like to the max. I mean, every time you work with him, mm. he would just... We ate. I loved it because I'm a chubby guy, so we would eat constantly, and it was always a blast <laughs> with him. But um, I initially called because Ted is one of the. I didn't. I kind of came up pretty fast in the business. I didn't feature long. I went to headlining quick, and Ted was one of the few headliners that I worked with that I thought was phenomenal, and to this day still think the world of him. And um, the story, obviously, Ted, you know what I'm calling about. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> We uh, we hit it. I think we hit it off immediately, yeah. and we're just those two guys. Where I'm the hyper goofy guy, and he's the cool laid back dude. And um, we went. He invited me to go with him and his brother to Mardi Gras one year. And first of all, I've never been there. You, I don't think that was your first time, too, right? Yeah, yeah. And we had the best time. But the very first day was Fat Tuesday. And we go out, and you know how girls are showing, and they're yelling at the guys to show. And me and Ted, you know, we like to oblige for the women. So we <laughs> we go to show, and Alexa and Ho, Ted's up against the wall getting arrested. <laughs> I'm still out. They don't even see me. I'm like, what the hell? And I ended up having to be by myself for the next... Like till three in the morning. I don't remember how late it was. You finally got out. Yeah, that's the worst part, yeah. right? It takes forever to get it through the forever, system. But then I'm taking pictures of Ted the whole way. That was great. I have my pants like halfway down still. Rob snapping photos. <laughs> I got handcuffs on, and, and Rob's on the other side of the paddy wagon just snapping photos of me. And I know. I think mean, I love that you're sitting here telling all these very deep thoughts and stuff. I'm like, he's got his dick out. At <laughs> well, it's hey, true. you know what? You could be both. I mean, Aristotle yeah. had a dick. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, that to well, this day that was one of my how impressive we must have been if that's what they wanted to see. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I guess they found me more offensive than you. <laughs> they, they went for me. <laughs> that was great well, though. I love you, brother, and I'm so happy, you know, you're one of the guys that you work with and, and there's nobody out there that'd say they don't love you. I mean and everything is going well for you, and I'm very happy for you, man. Thanks, Rob. I love you too, pal. I appreciate yeah. it, man. All right. Thanks for letting me get on, guys. I'll All right, buddy. You. Anytime. Later on, Rob. Very, very funny, man. Very, yeah, very, Rob is great. Yeah, very, very strong comedian. Um, but that's nice. You do have, uh, and not everybody gets this, but you do have the respect of your peers. You know? Thanks. No, it feels good. I mean, uh, I, I love comedy. I love comedians. You know, uh, years ago I started the Comedians Coalition with a couple other comics to get us a pay raise in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, I think that had a lot to do with the goodwill. 
uh, you know, anytime you get folks a raise, that helps. But, but you uh, also have such strong material and a great work ethic. Really, really funny stuff. We had a break here. Can we take it, Chris? Oh, we could take it to the limit. All right, nice. You can see Ted this weekend at the Eastville Comedy Club in North. Actually, I'm sorry, I'll correct you because the last minute I got hired to, uh, I'm going to be working with Jim Gaffigan in Minneapolis this nice. weekend. So yeah, sorry about that. I won't be at Eastville, but I will be opening for Jim Gaffigan Friday and Saturday in Minneapolis. Now, do you you use Eastville just as your workout place? And Eastville is, is, yeah, one of my yeah. hubs. Uh, Eastville, the comedy cellar. Yeah. Yeah. I, luckily now I'm at the point where I can kind of bounce around the New York clubs and you know work stuff out. Gaffigan always very very funny. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. We started around the same time. Maybe he was a few years ahead of me, but I remember I had a mail jeep, like uh, one of those mail jeeps with yeah. the steering wheel on the right hand side. That was my first car out of college. So when I was first doing comedy, I would drive. I, I had it painted black, and I would drive to gigs in this mail jeep. <laughs> so a couple times I drove with Gaffigan out to Chuckles on Long Island, this, this old club that's not there anymore, and I. You know, uh, we would drive together. So to this day, he still talks about it and asks me. He's like, "Do you still have that?" I'm like, "Jim, I hadn't had that for like 15 years." But he loved that car. Yeah. I mean, every, it was it was such a cool car. Well, all you need is the steering wheel on the other side, and you know, it's exciting. Yeah. Every time you're doing that, when you are riding shotgun, which is on the other side, just act like you're pulling into traffic. <laughs> you would always play games like that with people. It's I just true. see the fear in their face. Um. But that, that's always, you know, like with Rob calling Gaffigan, why is it that it's those things when comics are out on the road together is about as close as you can get with another human being for one week at a time? You know it's what I mean? Like, yeah. It's almost like a small, weird marriage that yeah. takes place. It's very intense. Yeah. And then, you know, you move on. Yeah, I don't know if it, yeah, like a marriage or, or post-traumatic stress. It's, right, like, yeah. it's like battle conditions. Like yeah. you, you have each other because really you're going into a town where you don't know anyone else. Uh -huh. The comics are really the only folks that, that you know or at least, you know, you, that you, you can almost spot comics when you walk into a room. You're like, okay, mm -hmm. that guy's probably the middle. That guy's probably the opener. <laughs> You know, you get a sense for yeah. who your people are. Right. Um, yeah, and you, you need that because, you, like you said before, you are, especially the road dog guys, you're on the road constantly. You know, you're constantly walking into these situations where you don't know anyone. Right. You don't know anyone. Some of these towns, they you got to make sure that the guy pays. There's all That's kinds the other of crazy thing. shit. Yeah. yeah, I remember, I was telling my sister the other day, I remember walking into a club in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, you know, middle of the afternoon, I have my bags, just came from the airport. There's a guy sitting at the bar drinking. And I'm kind of waiting for somebody to acknowledge me or welcome me or anything. You know, this is early on where I'm mm -hmm. kind of just starting headlining, too. So I don't really know the protocol. And then I say, hi, I'm, uh, I'm Ted. I'm headlining this week. And the guy's like, oh, okay, cool. And, like, nothing from the guy. Turns out he's the owner. Right. And he's not even, I'm like, where do I stay? Like, can you give me the key to the condo so I can change the sheets immediately? And, you know, it's <laughs> like the guy doesn't, you know, and this is the owner. Right. And this happened, you know, he's the extreme example, but there's a lot of examples like that where, you know, a hello would go a long way when Absolutely. I just got off a flight. Right. <laughs> that is the thing with them, too, is like, they're like, yeah, you're heading over somewhere. You guys, the three of you don't know each other. All go crash together. What the fuck? It hasn't really been cleaned up. Yeah. 
So it's unbelievable sometimes. You guys have board games? Or? <laughs> yeah, we do here. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you, you, you're thrown together, and uh, like you say, so back in the old days, you, you're actually living together for right. a week in, in this comedy condo. So it's bizarre, but it does uh, forge these relationships. Yeah, and it also starts to get the people who stay with it, that the, the, thing, the skin will get thick. Yeah. Like whatever happens now will never be as bad as Valdosta, George. <laughs> Boom, let's keep going. That's it, man. Yeah. I think that as much as anything else with comedy is the job. Probably in life in general, but yeah. certainly with comedy is just adapting to whatever the situation is because you don't know from night to night, you know, you could be in Radio City one night yeah. and you can be in the back of a bar the next, you know, and you just yeah, you just do the show and you go home. Isn't that, I don't even know if there is another profession in the arts where you could even say that i mean i guess it must be weird and intense to be on a on a big movie set for like three or four months and you got a giant budget and everyone's living together and then boom you're basically out of work again after that happens yeah yeah but but the difference there is i think it's it's a higher level of existing because you're you have the trailers you have food you beck and call you have people that are there to see that you're taken yeah. care of Comedy is more of, like, you have to almost surrender an ego in the sense that whatever I show up to is fine. That's what it's going to be that night. Right. It's going to be a row of chairs that somebody set up. I mean, I did a gig one time where I was performing next to Lion Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was, it was a corporate thing where Comedy Central was uh, part of all of the cable networks in, in this banquet room mm. had a, a booth. And I was the Comedy Central booth. And people could go around to like this channel, that channel. Next to us was the Animal Planet. So sure enough, I'm performing next to Lion Cubs, and nobody's paying any attention to me. You know why would they? Of course, not. I'm I'm watching the Lion yeah, Cubs. If Lion Cubs came in here right now, it's all we it's would over. be talking yeah. about. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> so yeah, you just you adapt to whatever it is. But man. you try not to take that serious as well. You know, you try not to take it personal. You can't. You yeah. can't. If you know, when when I was younger, I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and you take things a little too seriously. But as you get older, yeah, you you have to learn how to laugh and just it's another day at the job <laughs> oh that is so fun seriously the, I would never be more as shocked as uh, one time I had to work next to Lion Cubs that I didn't think I would uh, hear today can we stop feeding them please yeah um, hey uh, kind dad you're on the run of Fez show Hey, Ron, love the show. Uh, yeah. What's wrong with that Austin, Georgia? It's Tattletown, baby. Don't you watch ESPN? Uh, I'm very, very familiar with Valdosta, uh, Georgia. And God bless you people for uh, how you are, but it's really an anal wart. And I'm not saying that <laughs> to hurt your feelings, but you've had to have gotten out of there before, right? Oh, yeah, all over, but still love it here. Yeah. Palm trees. And I'm, yeah, palm trees. Yeah, <laughs> nice. All right, there you go. That's all you really need. Palm trees. Classy. Climb them. Look <laughs> yeah. at them. Is there a comedy club in Valdosta? There always it. is a weekend thing that comes and goes. That they throw together. Like, yeah. Mo yeah, like most places <laughs> in America. Comedy night. Yeah, there's yeah, there's something that happens at some hotel, and will <laughs> not stay there. Under any circumstances. Uh, Chris, what's some of the big stories going on today in the news? Uh, well, the, there's the Florida woman that got busted for killing a chicken while filming porn. And then that they're just there. Apparently, there's some sort of subgenre of porn called crush porn. 
where people aren't happy with just seeing her give a blowjob. She has to be killing something at the same time. Now, I thought it was mm. like, like it was going to be like Santeria or something. No, this was like a porn set. It was called uh, SOS Barn. Because I would th- have thought I wouldn't be into it, but I remember this Mickey Rourke, Lisa Bonet... Santeria movie years ago. I can't think the name of it. I know he he played a character named Johnny Handsome. And I thought I would have been turned off by chicken killings during a sex scene. But it worked. Angel Heart. (laughs) That was the name of it. You know what's uh, interesting, though? Like, if you go a step removed, like, what if they're just eating chicken while they're having sex? True. Like, somebody had to kill and cook the chicken, right? Right. So yeah. why is is that a genre? Is, is that a subgenre? More, I think because it's snuff because it's live on the camera that they're actually cutting this fucking thing's neck. Oh, they show e- it. Yeah, when yeah. you're eating chicken, you're actually tearing flesh and muscle off the bone with your teeth and going. Mm. I mean, it may be as close as humans are to being wolves when you're eating <laughs> chicken because most of the food you don't have to pick up. And start biting like you ran it down. Well, I prefer to fuck. Like, if I could just, if it was acceptable, just pick up a steak and just eat it with my hands. I would love to do that. Do you do it at home if you have a steak? I yeah. See, I think you can with a with a T-bone. No one is going to like get mad at you at a picnic for getting it. But if you pick up a fillet and start biting it like that, I have before. Yeah, it's like an apple. It's a fucking meat apples. Well, I really want to fucking treat it. It's a meat apple. I know the new place I'm opening up is a restaurant called Meat Apples. You got to get to. I think they were probably more upset that she was actually killing rabbits than chickens because they'll just like kill a chicken in a restaurant, but it, rabbits don't they scream when you're if you yeah. would kill them? I mean, that, that can't be. Nothing on the planet likes to be killed. Hard to maintain yeah. an erection when there's a rabbit just screaming three feet from you. Well, you don't know until you try. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, don't for judge. some people, it helps with the erection, <laughs> it right. helps them. <laughs> It wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be a subgenre yeah. unless there were people out there. Oh, yeah. At the very least, she has to start making rabbit noises. <laughs> At the very least. So this is Florida again, right? Yeah, this is Miami. This is where the, where the shoot went down. Florida's the wackiest, man. Do you think she yeah. showed up? And then they just told her what was going on, or that she was the one that originated the idea. So you said it might be just a gig for her. Like, All right, in this scene, uh, remember, before he shoots, kill the rabbit. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's $400 you're saying I'm getting for this. Yeah. $400 for one scene. And then it goes everywhere on the internet forever. I just like bash, I almost bash his head with the mallet, and then just you get a cut away, or I really do this now. <laughs> um, I don't know whether you saw that thing too, that the latest school sex thing, and you having a school background. Yeah. Luckily, you were with little kids. Right. Because now it used to be male teachers would sleep with some female students, but now it seems to be women teachers sleeping with 17-year-old boys, and this thing of where he was on TV defending her is why you don't want to sleep with a 17-year-old boy. They're stupid even when they're trying to help. <laughs> they're dumber than dirt. Is this a new one? This just surfaced? Yeah, this one no. just happened, 
And there's she, very attractive. She's pretty hot. But listen to the kid when he's being, when he's defending her. Student up, brought him to her apartment, and the two had sex. The encounters allegedly happened three separate times. In the heat of the moment, nothing really was wrong because, and at the end of the day, I'm 18, and I'm an adult. I would make my own decisions, but. Of course, the only thing that's wrong is that I was a student. There is one thing. Yeah. Who then confessed. The coach told administrators, and they reported it to authorities. Now, Wormingling has been charged with having an improper relationship You're with basically the- having sex with a really stupid penis <laughs> at that point, and nothing else. She picked him up on Instagram. Like she, They were going back and forth on Instagram, and then she started banging the kid. I don't think she should lose her job. You still help me get my transcripts out. <laughs> You're not helping. Yeah, I don't know, like, if the principal... Does the principal take action partially because he's jealous? I <laughs> right. Well, you know if you're a teacher at that school, she would be the one you'd be looking at. Yeah, she's an attractive woman. My favorite out of all of them was the lunch lady that got caught up because how do you... I mean, I can Someone see, was banging the lunch yeah, lady? I see that you could brag about banging the blonde teacher, but hitting the lunch lady is just beyond. That's what they, lunch wow. ladies look like work release, at least in my fucking high school. I mean, they were all tatted up. It was fucking right. very scary, actually, to get shitty fucking high school lunch. Yeah, I've never seen anything but uh, scary or old. Right. Yeah. You know? Or just somebody's mom, too. <laughs> <laughs> that I would go hey, for. Honey, take another slice of pizza. Get, get away from me. They would always give you those weird little brownies that were like the peanut butter and chocolate brownies. If it was someone's mom that you know, you go like this. Yeah, I'm friends with Petey. And then you would get, all nice. right, here's a little something. It's a hookup. But again, isn't that like jail? Where you just, here's something terrible, but you're getting a little more I don't remember than everyone else. I don't remember seeing you at the sleepover. Okay. Well, that's like jail, too, with the uh, corrections officers sleeping with the... Oh, yeah. Right? Maybe it's the same type of... Because these... I mean, they always paint the woman as mentally ill, right? Right. But the guy, they're just like, ah, he was a dude. He's just trying to get laid. he was doing what he wanted to do. But the woman has mental problems. Yeah. Um, This uh, was a great story over the weekend. Uh, FDNY plays against the cops in a hockey game that breaks out into a 30-minute fist fight. <laughs> Both benches clear, and they just fight it out for 30 minutes. I saw that video. Like, But does that surprise anyone? No. That's why they have the game, That's right? That's why you got to do the game. It's a hockey game, first of all. And second, it's between the cops and the firemen who don't like each other. And someone said that the... <laughs> look at these guys going at it's it. It's a fucking full-on brawl. That's as good as any NHL fight. Yeah. Oh, look um, at the refs really getting in there, too. Yeah. Huh? One of the things that they were chanting at the cops was Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> cops have been hit with a donut line our entire lives now. Yeah, they'll never yeah. get away from it. We don't go there that much. <laughs> Once a week, maybe. It is the strangest stereotype that we have, and no one brings up that they're going for coffee. That's what they're <laughs> really doing there. They're not thirsty. If I was a cop, I'd yell at back. It's just coffee. It's the only place that's open. No, you want a bear claw. They have, <laughs> they have breakfast sandwiches, too. Maybe that's why they were fighting, like, for the, to, yeah. to break that stereotype. <laughs> 
one of the firemen said Dunkin' Donuts, and then all hell broke loose. It's uh, New York's uh, bravest against New York's finest. Finest. Why even have the pretense of a hockey game when they just turn into an actual brawl? Just put them fighting each other. Well, they actually yeah. do. They play football, and it turns them into a brawl. They have boxing <laughs> matches. It turns them into a brawl. I don't know if they play any other sports. Well, th- th- this is only the ones that we know about. They also just go out drinking together, and, and that, that turns, turns into, into a brawl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cops are funny too because if that that happens and there is an assault like that, they don't think, "Oh, I should arrest this cop." <laughs> For punching another cop. They're just like, they'll treat it just like they did in high school. Like, stop it, you <laughs> yeah, know. That's a Cut good point. Out. Yeah, yeah. Imagine they just cuffed one of the firemen during the, <laughs> during the fight. Yeah, because it is kind of an assault. You can't get around it. That's so goddamn funny that they're doing that now. I love it when I fight. You know, you got the finest, you got the bravest. Sanitation workers also have a handle like that. Do you know what it is? Is it smelliest? No, not in, not New York smelliest. The most dedicated? <laughs> New York's most dedicated. That would be the saddest thing ever. Uh, it is boldest, right? Uh, Thanks, you guys. <laughs> it's New York's strongest. And they use the they use the truck to pick the garbage up half the time. Sometimes, <laughs> but I also had heard this before, and have gotten calls from those guys. They lose more garbage men than they do cops or firemen every year. More likely to be killed as a garbage man than you will a cop or a fireman. Jesus, how the hell are these guys fucking dropping like this? Heroin overdoses mainly, oh, but uh, no, you you uh, you get hit by cars. They get hit by cars all the time. That actually happened in Astoria, where I yeah. live. Yeah, on a corner. Um, yeah, they, they renamed the corner for a sanitation worker who was, who was lost his life in the line of duty. It comes up all the time. It's crazy, and I had no idea that. Or somebody yeah. shoots you because you like threw away their couch, even though a friend was going to pick it up. Just That's getting mad at you for that. Misunderstanding. <laughs> Misunderstanding. That's so weird. Like, in my neighborhood, people put stuff out all the time, and other people will come pick it up. Like, they'll go like this. I'm just going to throw this chair out, but it's too nice. So you just sit it on the sidewalk, and sooner or later, a couple of kids are coming by, and they're like, fuck, a chair. This is great. They pick it up, and off they go with it. Sure, it has some stains on it, but that's a nice chaise lounge. But it's it's kind of good. It's like recycling, you know? Yeah. Like, even when I read a book, I'll just put it out front when I'm done with it. Like, here, take it. That's nice, right? It's a nice book. They do it in my, the basement of my building. It's like, just, oh, free shit, free television. Well, they were doing it in my building, and someone put up a thing that said, this is not a college dorm. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody was, like, leaving out old CDs and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's a shame to throw shit out this good if somebody wants it. What if yeah. they were yeah. leaving, and then you were walking back up with their TV, and they just saw you? <laughs> Oh, guess you. Thanks for taking that. Thanks. You go over to your neighbor's house, you see your TV in there. Oh, you like that, huh? It's still working. All right. But see, a lot of good crap. shit gets thrown out in New York because there's not storage. Everything that, if you lived in the suburbs, you'd throw in the garage. People go, oh, I got to get rid of this now, but it still works. Somebody's going to want it rather than putting out money. 
you know, the super of my building also works as a doorman for uh, where the Koch brothers live on Park yeah. Avenue, wherever. He says, you know, it's like one of the richest uh, addresses in the world, whatever. Uh, people are constantly throwing away, like, Italian marble counters because it wasn't cut to their specification or whatever. Right. Like, these absurdly, like, you know, and so he says his whole apartment is just tricked out because he's got all this great stuff that they throw in the garbage. Not only, but I read a, there's a, a building over there that people tip so well at Christmas to the supers and stuff that these guys can retire at a really young age if they go to Florida with the money. Like some of these guys, when you're worth a billion dollars, you're like, "What did you give the you know, super?" I give him a hundred grand because remember, you know, he's always there for us. <laughs> you fix that like, yeah, they just don't think of it like real money after a while. And if you you keep your shit together <laughs> and just bank that money, you're able to clock out early in life. Help him get yeah. rid of a body every now and then. Probably Whatever it well. takes. Whatever, yeah. It was the same building that A-Rod was living in. And these guys said that he was cheap, by the way. And they always had to uh, bring his hookers in for him. Hmm. Well, they came out in that book. That was just about that building. Right. And it's on Park Avenue. Yeah, there was a PBS documentary about the Koch Brothers building. But they said, they said the Koch Brothers were actually really cheap. Uh, is that right? So maybe it might be a different one. Yeah. Well, there, well, the thing is, some people, you know, particularly some of these Wall Street guys, they're just throwing cash everywhere. Sure. You know, they they act like life is Vegas. Yeah. Where they're just like, yeah, hey, you doing? Thanks a lot. Remember my name. <laughs> like, don't come into a restaurant. Look, I'm going to come in here tomorrow night with a girl, and I'll give the guy a hundred bucks. So when they come in, it's like, hey, <laughs> good to see you again, sir. <laughs> well, everybody knows me. Impressive. That's big for some guys. All right, we got to wrap this one. Good to see you again, man. Great to see you. Uh, go ahead and do your plug thing, Plug King. East, uh, Comedy Castle, Royal Oak, Michigan. You can see Ted Alexandro there later this month, April 24th through the 26th. And you can download his special, I Did It, at tedalexandro.com. It's pay what you want. 99 cents and up. 99 cents it up, pay what you want. How's that worked out for you? Great. You trust people and you like them now. You like you know, them more. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. I'm glad to hear that. Well, it's very, very funny and, and you always uh, crush. It was great to have you come by. Thank you, guys. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. That's it for us. See you guys back in here tomorrow. It's around Fish. Satellite's gone way up tomorrow. You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to The Ron and Fez Show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.